This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city. What's up, people? It's me, Ramon. Welcome to the podcast that will entertain, educate, and inform you. Grab a ball and get ready for this serving of cornbread and caviar. What's up, people? It's me, King Ramon. I'm your host, and I want to welcome you back after a long hiatus because of COVID-19, another episode of Cornbread and Caviar, the podcast that will entertain, educate, and inform you. Thank you for joining us today for what promises to be an amazing episode and an amazing experience. I stumbled over my words there just now. Follow us on Instagram. Our handle is Eat Cornbread and Caviar. And feel free to email us anytime at eatcornbreadandcaviar at gmail.com. Today, I am joined by the hardest working co-host. First up, <laughs> the newly sober, reformed workaholic, Oh, wait. Kendall's not here. Oops, I went into Kendall's introduction. He's not here today. Sorry. Yeah, Kendall's not here. The gorgeous, voluptuous, ever so slightly neurotic resident voice of hospitality, the custodian of truth, grace to my will, my sister, none other than... Miss Maria Renee. Hello, hello. Did you miss me? Yes, you did. I actually did miss you this time. I need you to understand. (laughs) I know we've been on like a little hiatus. But this is what you wrote. <laughs> How you messing up on what you write? <laughs> Listen, I've been out of this for a minute. I mean, I'm true to this. I ain't new to this. But damn, it's just been a minute. We ain't been in this studio since what? February? Has it been since February? I think it was March. Was it March? Mm-hmm. We ain't been in the studio. It was March. Yeah. So that's that two months ago. Little brother, you know, I've been busy. I've been busy as hell. Okay. Uh the phenomenal, never to be underestimated, curator of passions and sentiments, student of love, life, and Hennessy, the talented, pretty boy himself. Hello, everybody. It's James Brandon. Hi, James Brandon. Hi, good morning. How's everybody? How are you feeling? Not okay. Okay. That's okay that you feel not okay. <laughs> Something you want to talk about on air? No. No. You want to talk about not it Not at all. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Okay. Well, all you right. think about it. And I'm here for you, and I can't speak for the yellowness over there, but I'm sure she is. Okay. I'm here for him too. That's what, you know, we talk. Good. I'm glad y'all talk. Okay. Nobody talks to me. The crazy light skins got to stick together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody really talks to me. I you to, don't talk to us. I reach out to you. Let me tell you, he need a haircut. I cannot. <laughs> wait a minute. First Ooh, of all, I just can't this wait. is my quarantine life. I know. And we are like pretty far apart in this here studio, as small as we are as far apart as we can be. So that's a good thing. So please understand that we are far apart. Now, Maria Renee is so worried about things, but I'm worried about it. Can't speak for James, but I know that I don't want to be up and close to nobody's face. So we are as far <laughs> apart as we can be. The sterilized, the chairs we sitting in, the microphones, a little, everything. Everything's you better sterilized. sterilized. Okay, sterilized honey. Thoroughly. You better sanitize. Sanitize. Okay. It's real out here in the field. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. So yeah. we're going to move into our shout outs. And I want to start out by doing a shade shout to Donald Trump, Ken, and 
America for the way that this has been handled mm. and how it's infected and affecting brown people, African descended brown people more aggressively. So mm. I'm doing shade shots to them. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hey. That's a shade okay. shot. Okay. Because they stupid. They stupid. But more to come on that later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anybody who wants to go? Okay. <laughs> It better not be a goddamn poo butt. I swear to God. <laughs> Come on, sis. I already told you, as long as I got breath in my body. Boom to you, okay? I live for it. It's cute. Shout out to Mr. Ingram. Okay. Boom. Then, oh, we got to shout out my little sister, Cynthia T. Era Lockwood. <laughs> she graduated from um, the historic black college, Tuskegee University. With her bachelor's of English with a minor in social work. Yes. So she starts her master's program in in the fall. And she's going to take like a little break this summer, you know, to party and get it all out of her system because we're right back to it. So it was so weird watching a graduation online. I was just like... (laughs) Yeah. Like we could speed the whole graduation up, then we could stop and pause it. You're right. It was just like, okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and then it was kept getting pushed back. So I was just like, yeah, this is just not gonna work. So hopefully in December, she has a real graduation where she can actually actually walk across stage. They had to vote on it. Oh, they're doing they that? Yeah. that. They oh. they did vote on it. So I guess they're trying to figure out how to actually make or it. Or they work. could just combine the classes of twenty and twenty one and have a big, big graduation. That'd be cool too. That's after the the vaccine allegedly will be out. So. Do they really care that much? Yeah, yeah. it means oh. HBCU. That's that's a right that's to pass for an African American person. Like I, yeah, I mean, but she still graduated despite yeah. the fact of not walking yeah, across but you the know, stage. All the, the fraternities and sororities want to do their little scroll. Oh, okay, you know, and show off all their tassels and all the organizations that they were in. So you know, I understand. it's just like heritage, pretty much. It's, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I agree. That makes sense. So, and I saw a Granny for Mother's Day. How's she doing? She's very. She don't know who we are. Oh, but it's okay. It's progressed. Okay. It's, yeah, it's okay. But it was dope. You know, she laughed, and that was. It was good to just like love on her or whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm used to it now. At first, I was just like, uh, hmm, I'm not going over there because she don't know who I am. But now it's just like, okay, we're accustomed to it now. Yeah, she don't know how much longer she's got. She's what 95. Yes. So you need to spend as much time with her as possible, yeah. right. Alzheimer's and all. So, mm-hmm. I so wish I had my grandparents still. So I know, I know. Lord, well, um, I'm going to back it on up. First of all, stop encouraging her. Second of all, <laughs> Mr. Ingram. What? So he's not Poobud now. Let's make it clear. To no, he's not Poobud. He's not Poobud. He's, he's, he's Mr. Ingram. But he's Mr. Ingram. Now, I'm sure that you all saw the video of her twerking to single again on Instagram. I, I'm very much single. It was cute. That I, cut out was... A, I cut out a little bit Good. of it, but Good. You know, I had to you edit should. it down. You should have. The video was great. <laughs> I'm very much single, but we have an understanding now, and um, we're, we're working. So y'all just friends. We're friends. So he still gets a shout out. Yeah. Everybody shouts out their friends. Yep. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I will say this is always a bigger picture. So, you know, we're just. The only people who shout me out was Winky on here once and Jason. That was nice. I've shouted you out. On here? Yeah. Mm. You spend so much time not shouting me out that I forgot. Well, you normally, I, sh- normally I shout myself skin. out. I'm not going to shout you out. It's because I'm darker skinned. 
I congratulate you all the time and on feel, and off the podcast, so I don't want to hear that bullshit. I feel like y'all are well, against you, me. Look, you going to say it. I'm not going to shout you out. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I feel like it's because <laughs> it's colorism in the studio. Could I don't be. appreciate I mean, whatever you, whatever I don't think you it's right. Paint, I've loved know. both of you equally and separately. And y'all treat me like this up dark. Sir, you need to see a therapist because you is making this all about you. (laughs) All because you want to shout out Mr. Ingram. Come on, Barack. You better sing, Barack. That shade. Yeah, did you see that a passion? Oh, <laughs> like did you see how the pastor stood up when he first started singing? That's <laughs> all. Okay, okay. It's all we can have of that singing for the day. Thank you. Did Thank you see you. the Michelle documentary? No. On Netflix? Not yet. It was so inspiring. You mean when she, she's doing this whole thing for all the kids, the graduating? Or? No. Her, no, the becoming, the becoming documentary. documentary. Oh, no, she I'm has not, a documentary. Well, I did not know. It was so good. She is just everything. She is everything. And it's so sad because this president's wife, we don't have no type of... She is, to do what she is told, she's quiet. She a Playboy bunny and... He met her on Backpage. Like, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> what is our girls going to look up to? Like... How to marry rich and be yeah, smart well, about it. Listen, I ain't knocking that. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Marry rich. Okay. Shout outs for you. Yes, Jim. actually. Jim. James is Jim Shorten. Jim no, James not Shorten. for me. Jim Brandon. No. Let's go. Listen. <clears throat> so, a few months ago, maybe even a little bit longer than that, I asked somebody to take away Lil Boosty's phone. Mm. Yes, and you no did. one, no one did that. Took away his phone, and now all hell then broke loose. And now he still opening his big ass mouth <laughs> and saying dumb shit. And I really just want somebody to take away his phone, please. No, we please. Don't take away Boosie's phone. Please, why not? He gives us something <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> please take away his phone. Boosie gonna be Boosie. And you know, somebody told me, and he gonna end up back in jail. Tell me what happened. For negligence. What happened? Um, basically, he was mentioning about how he was having women, <laughs> adult women, perform sexual acts on his nephews. underage children. Children or nephews? Children, children. And his son and nephew. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, you know, Boosie was the one who had so much to say about Zia Wade and... Um, the ways parenting. You know, they're parenting and about how they're doing it all wrong when all they're doing is they're supporting their child and loving their child. And he is basically emotionally scarring his children. Like, let this grown woman suck your dick, son. So it's molestation, it's, regardless. It is, it is. molestation. And then women got to get brought up on charges for and their prostitute. For putting their mouth on a kid and he got to get brought up on charges. Yeah, child. that's rape. Yeah. That's a rape charge. So, I'm just over I'm more than sure. That is a good example of what we talked about in season one, toxic masculinity. You are so hell-bent on making sure your kids objectify women and treat women Mm -hmm. like shit that you will let some women suck your children. Let me say, so... And look at a woman as just a sexual object. An object. Women have brains and, and breasts, okay? The thing about it is... Don't bring the breasts into it. It has nothing to do with it. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> it's just hear, their brain. Hear my point. That women have hear, a brain. Hear my point. My point is men look at breasts, but they're not just breasts. They're brains and breasts. It's not just breasts. Women have brains too, so you have to acknowledge all things that a woman is completely aside from just breasts and a vagina. You have to look at everything. So she's got brains and breasts. 
the thing about it is he's really teaching them kids the wrong way to be. And that's that that's what creates the intolerant men that we have in society. This is where we get the toxic masculinity that does the hate crimes against gay men or gay effeminate men or lesbian women. They go fight them and beat them up because of their sexual preferences. They ain't got nothing to do with you. And not only that, this is why our men can have successful relationships. Cannot have successful I mean, relationships let's at just all. put that out there. And that's why a lot of the men, <laughs> a lot of the men were molested. That's mm-hmm. just that's why you got to set- call it a right to passage if you want to, but you yeah. were molested. Absolutely. If you if you were thirteen and you lost your virginity to somebody that's over twenty one, sir, you were molested. Absolutely. Right. I mean, that's what, just it. And I think sixteen is the age of consent, but I think they still have to the consensual sex has to be between minors. I, I don't know how that works. It does. Okay, it because does. if I'm 18 and you You 16, can't be 18 and 16 Yeah, because the age of majority still, now is a rape situation That's illegal, yeah. yeah So, it's like, okay But that's crazy that's, And that's where we get the septic masculinity from When when we talked about men not wiping their asses Because they feel like I'm sure Lil Boosie don't wipe his ass <laughs> <laughs> That's disgusting to Touch no, your I'm ass sure makes you gay That's not what it does It cleans your ass when you shit That's what it does So that's disgusting, little Boosie You're it's, stupid it, it Absolutely Tag disgusting. him in this shit Tag him in this shit He's dumb Oh, God. Okay. Dumb. Okay. Question for you guys. Random question of the day. I just have to, this is more of a thoughtful question. Have you all found a new norm yet? Like, what is your new norm, like, with this whole COVID-19? So, you start, Jim. J-Y-M. You gonna stop calling me that? We can fight right here in the studio. I will fight you. I know you will. Let's do it. Exactly. I've not not had a lot of physical contact. Let's just go for it. Exactly. I thought I did find a new norm at first, um, but recently I found that I have not found a new norm. So, you know, when we first started quarantining, I actually like started self-quarantining before it was put in place. I was supposed to be out of town in Chicago um, the weekend. St. Patty's Day. Yeah, for St. Patrick's Day weekend. And a few days before I was supposed to leave, everybody was like, uh, well, you know, they canceled the parade and everything, so let's not go. And I'm like, eh, I want to go, though, you know. But I stayed home to be safe. I went to the Woodward that night. It was cute, you know, whatever. <laughs> but then after that, um, I've been in the house ever since. And at first, it was kind of easy, you know, because normally I would just go home and mind my business anyways. But being at home makes you realize how much you enjoy going out. And even if it's just going to do something by yourself, like I used to love going to sit at the bar by myself and having a margarita at May's um, and just like relaxing. Or even something as simple as going to the gym and running on the treadmill. Like I went there more so for stress relief than I did to actually like change my body physically. Mm -hmm. I found it to be, you know, it helped me relieve like stress and anxiety and having to stay at home in a place where I feel like it's always so loud, um, it really like is I'm about to cry right now, like it's really messing with my mental health. Aww. And um it's hard because you you know, you just sit at home and you're thinking about everything and Would you like so, some tissue. No thanks, I'm fine. Have a tissue, have a tissue. Um but yeah, so new norm, no. I think I fi- I feel like my new normal right now is stress and anxiety. Like work is stressful and I feel like I'm not cared about as an employee there. Like every day I've like this past week, I went to work. I've gotten a headache. Mm. I've left work every day with a headache. It's time to quit. <laughs> um, 
just because like the other day the regional lady was like oh yay we're gonna send you guys plexiglass by june 1st and you know blah 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 and we know you guys are out of cleaning supplies but be grateful you have a job and i was like excuse me she said that (laughs) yep she said it on the conference call for the whole region and i was just me and my coworkers just kind of looked at each other like excuse me bitch Mm. like what do you mean be grateful I have a job mm. and they're actually, we're actually about to reopen. Um, I work at a bank for those of you that don't know, but we're actually about to reopen our doors. And um, we were told that we can't tell the customers that they have to wear a mask to come into the branch. And I've had people in there coughing, touching stuff all over the place. And it makes me like very uncomfortable to be at work. So I get stressed and anxious. I go home. I just want to curl up in a ball and be left alone. So are no, y'all wearing I've, a mask or no? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the masks protect other people from you. So if their customers are coming into the doors not wearing masks, they are not protected from their customers who could potentially have COVID-19. No, the mask is, protect, is to protect them from the customer, not the other way around. No. It's just like if we, I'm going to give you an example. If I have a chemo patient, that chemo patient doesn't wear a mask. I wear a mask to protect that chemo patient from my um, germs and antibodies. You may pull up the article I read from a very That's, that could be a, that could be all well and good. But what I'm telling it. you is that and I work. That's fine. I, I read. So I'm never gonna read an article read. because I'm I'm right there That's in fine. it. Okay? I, don't, I don't discredit I'm your just, experience. I'm just saying. But I am I'm gonna say saying. that it's also protecting it's protecting your patient from what you have as well. Because think about it, it's a chemo patient. But so, the chemo patient isn't wearing a mask. I am. Right. And you're protecting them from your germs because right. you don't want inf- to infect So if he them. has a mask on and they don't. Is that not what I said? That they protect, you're protecting people from what you might have. Right. Is that not what I said? Are we saying the same thing? I think we are because I'm saying that the mask protects other people from what you have. Because the chemo patient without a mask is not protected from anything, but they should be wearing a mask, really, because you can't give them another thing that's going to become a comorbid issue. That's why I have a mask. So you wear a mask to protect them from you. And right. that's what the Okay, that's what I said. So then he should be good if, if he got his mask. Right, but no, no, because still, if that person comes in and has COVID, just like with the mask, these masks... They ain't really shit. First of all, let's be clear about that because they're not the N95 masks. Oh, we're going to get into that. Yeah, we're going to get, we into, will get that. into that. These masks ain't really <laughs> we're shit. We're going to get into that. So if I can breathe through the mask, that means there's an opening somewhere because if it was really working, I wouldn't be able to breathe. So if the mask was really working, I would be. So that means that there is an opening somewhere. So if someone comes in, I have on a mask, someone comes into my space and they have COVID-19, they don't have on a mask. If they cough, sneeze, or they whatever, and it breathes out on me, then... It could get into because it's microscopic as fuck. They said stacking a thousand, uh, stacking a thousand COVID nineteen viruses on top of each other is the thickness of a paper, a sheet of paper, eight and a half by eleven. That's how small this shit is. So it can get into these little pockets where the mask is not covering up. So they, that bank, that stupid ass bank that you work for, and even the fact that your district regional bitch said that. You guys should be grateful for having a job. They should be grateful that they have employees that are coming in that want that are trying to help keep their company going. Cause that's fucked you up. You ain't gotta work. You don't. Oh, I know. As if, soon as if them all doors, y'all was just as like, soon as them doors open, guess who's not gonna be at work? Okay. Yeah, that's Me. dangerous. And you gotta think about people with underlying conditions. You gotta think about people just without underlying conditions who are dying from this shit. So for them to say that, for her to say, be grateful you have a job, bitch, you sitting at home. With your ugly ass family, and I'm sitting up here with 
with pr- trying to keep your job going because everything that you do inside that branch supports her salary. Mm-hmm. She's literally a non-fucking factor because every the business is the branch. So it's everybody that works in the branch. So mm-hmm. everything I'd fired that day. Exa- sure. every, all right. I would have said it's like Oh, you me. think you think they hear good words come out of my mouth? Not at I all. I would have interrupted no. the call like, "Wait a minute, excuse every me." Every day I got an attitude. That, Every day, I would have called. I would have emailed her. I would have. I would have been like, "Excuse me, that was really insensitive for you to say, bitch." Because we <laughs> sit up in here working hard, and we scared as fuck. You talking about some? I would beat that bitch. Where's she at? Now, we don't, now you we don't even have cleaning supplies like anymore. But you we should ran be grateful you got a job. Supplies. I don't have the only like cleaning supplies I have left are some wet ones that we found at like a Seven Eleven. And bought a few jars. Like other than that, I don't have Lysol. We're almost out of bleach. Um, we got shit ton of hand sanitizer and masks. Like all of a sudden, like the last week, they've like sent us like thousands of masks. Like each branch has a bunch of masks. But other than that, we don't have shit. But they are like, oh, we're gonna be sending you these little plexiglass things that you can move, you know, from the teleline to your desk, and you can move them back and forth. And I'm they think like, that these things can't get around the plexiglass. I, I don't know. I just, how is y'all sanitation? Like, how is the cleaning at the bank? How often do you guys? They run that rat of shit. Normally, um, the cleaning company would come like once a week. I guess now they're coming five days a week, like after after okay. hours. They don't come when we're actually there. Um, but I can tell when they're not there because the trashes don't get emptied, um, which is nasty because it's a whole bunch of like wet wipes in there and gloves and masks just chilling in the trash can. Um, but, you know, other than that, it's just like, I'm just stressed every time I go to work. Has anybody like, at your branch gotten sick? Um, No one at my branch has gotten sick. No. But we also were operating off of like two people for a while from four okay. just because of like my manager at one point, she's high risk. So she was like, well, I'm going to take my time off and sit my ass at home and get paid. And then my coworker, her mom got sick. So she went to be with her mom. Um... And hasn't been back since. And then she actually put in her two weeks notice. So she ain't coming back. So there's been a lot of days that I've worked without a lunch. Um, and just like really busting my ass at that place for these people who clearly don't care because I should be thankful I have a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're out of shit to help keep us clean. That bit. I'm writing a letter. I've had it. I'm you better come on and write. Because <laughs> I, this is not the you first better. conversation me and James you have had about. Write. And I'm going to start <laughs> off We've had so many conversations about her, mm-hmm. and it's she. She infuriates me. Oh, it's me. not. It's not the one you're thinking about. It's the one above that. Ooh. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. That bitch. It just mm-hmm. thickens. That bitch, the big pickup truck. Okay. Yes. Come on, pickup truck. You know wow. It's time to get active. Uh, now that that pisses me off. That really mm-hmm. makes me angry. Our Monday morning, you know, I just She's got back from. A, a I just got back from a weekend of you know being at home and not doing shit. And then on Monday morning, the first thing I hear is, "Oh, be grateful you have a job." And I'm like, I mean, I, of course I'm grateful that I have a job. I have bills to pay, just like everybody else, you know. But my gratefulness for having a job shouldn't be on the grounds of. You know, well, you can pay your bills, but we're not keeping you safe. So that really made me angry just now. I didn't even know that. Why didn't you tell me? Did you want to wait to have a reaction on the air? Because, you know, I was going to flip out about it. <laughs> no, that really pisses me off. <laughs> I, t- I go to work. I get a headache and stressed and I go home and I sit there by myself and I cry a little bit and I'm on my business. So you need to engage it. more with your family. 
I mean, I do engage with them when it's like nice outside and go in the backyard or whatever, but they don't make, they don't make me feel less anxious or stressed. I understand. And you know that. Yeah. So it's not, that's why I'm saying it's <laughs> hard. Probably increases it's your hard level. for me to have a new, uh, my new normal is being at home and being constantly stressed and anxious. And I'm, you know, I've tried things like, oh, you know, journaling and reading a book or stuff like that. But like I said, it's so hard when the house is so loud. It's just always so loud in there. Yeah. And I really can't, there's nowhere I can go. I mean, I've been going to the park a lot and sitting by myself and, you know, that's cute or whatever, but it's been, the weather's been off and on cold and shit. So, yeah. and I get cold Yeah, very I guess fast. you're going to go straight into summer again. So, yeah. But, okay, that's enough about me. Who else? <laughs> Who's next? Thank you for Who sharing. Else is new, who else new norm we talking about? Um, My new norm is goals, right? So, during this quarantine, I have been able to, to work every day. I ain't, I ain't had a day off. Um, so I put together a list of 10 goals to tackle while we're doing this quarantine. And that for sure will be like carried on forever. Um, I was never one to just really write down like word for word in depth and in detail of what I want to do. And um, I can actually see it now. Right. So like... The first part was credit. Oh, my God. (sighs) I was just like, okay, I got to get it done. It's a personal goal of mine. Like, I want to be at a certain stature by my 35th, which is August. So, I have literally been, like, talking to people and calling the the three credit bureaus. I've been writing them. (laughs) Like... I've been on the ass, and I now I see like my my points then jumped up almost fifty. Wow! Yeah, that's beautiful. So I'm excited about that. Um, Self care, like I've been journaling again, so that was that's dope. Um, I've really tuned a lot of things out. Like I really only talk to on a consistent basis, maybe like two three people. Um. And I just wanted to, you know, see a few things from different people, like, during this, you know. If you remove yourself from the equation, sometimes you get to see stuff. Bigger picture. That you were never a part of the equation to begin with. I ain't say that. Brandon did. I didn't. Period. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that. So, um, and then my health has revealed some things. So, yeah, I think the new norm is really getting to me. Back to me and like what I want and what I aspire to have and actually moving in that direction and putting the time and the work in. So I think it's been beautiful. dope for me. It's, I think that's great. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've also done the same thing with goals and I don't. I think people underestimate the power of a pen or a pencil mm-hmm. and actually writing it down. Like I know cell phones, computers, iPads. They're cute or whatever, but the moment you turn them shits off. Mm-hmm. And get out a piece of paper and you take the time and put the energy and effort into writing something down, like you can really expand on that. Like there's been things that I've wanted to do for so long that I'm just now really getting into because I have the time, like making PowerPoints with like for business plans and stuff. And like I've been 
when I go home and I'm feeling sad and stuff, you know, I turn, I've been turning my phone off when I get home from work because it's just so much clutter, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And then there's the people that aren't at work. And so they're just blowing your phone up like, oh, talk to me all day, you know? And it's like, uh, I just had a stressful day at work. And you talking to me about you just got your unemployment and now you ordering shit from Adidas or something. Like, I don't care. I like I I I don't like clearly you don't care about me so I don't care about you and your twenty Amazon packages that mm-hmm. you get into your house but yeah the power of a pen is um is beautiful I encourage everybody to try that too, I've, I mean so. I, I've you know talking to different um, accountable partners that I have I think if you have not taken this to elevate yourself whether you working or not you know what I'm saying you're gonna be just left by the dust when this is over with. That's just the truth of the matter. I think this was a time for everybody to get into their families, into their faith, um, refinance their money. You know what I'm saying? Yes, come see me more for a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> I really think this was a, a, a slow us down moment. Yeah. I think the, the universe is really was just like, okay, let's just, let's just bring it back. Even though the way it happened is, I don't like it, but... I guess it was needed in a sense. Yeah. So. It's a good time for cleansing. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't think they should come to you for a mortgage to support that bank, but to support you, yes. But I don't think they should come to that bank. That no, bank. shouldn't nobody be getting no mortgages right now. Uh, I mean, <laughs> girl, them rights is real cute. So everybody getting yeah. a mortgage. Well, yeah, I heard. <laughs> yeah. I would probably. I'm always that. thinking about the future part of it, the, the what's after this. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's really been my focus since, since it started. Like, okay. It's not going to, it's going to be here, but it's also not going to be what it is right now. So what are we going to do come October, right. November? You know what I'm saying? I agree. Your norm? Um, I know you ain't got no haircut. That's the <laughs> that's new, my norm, new norm. Sure. No haircut. Uh, I've been shaving my own face. <laughs> I have had time to be more reflective. That's the good part about it. So it's kind of a marriage between what you two are okay. living with. Um, I've been more reflective and thinking about things that I want, the uh, what I desire, what I will tolerate, won't tolerate. Um, and I had to come to a realization that, because there was a big part of me that in my past that was so hell-bent on like making sure that other people were okay to the extent that I wasn't. So now it's really for me at all costs. I'm going to make sure I'm okay. Mm. And because I can't help other people if I'm broken myself. So mm-hmm. now that's made, a word. I've made sure that I've been taking care of me. Like you said, self-care. Mm-hmm. Cause that's so important. Cause I don't want to end up in a ball depressed. Like you said, you've been after going for work. Cause I almost got to that point where I went back, almost went back to that dark space. I just left from, previous years which you all heard a lot about on season one so i've been focusing on really making sure that if there are people in my world that you know for example um and call it petty call it immature i don't give a fuck this is me taking care of myself when people don't reach out to me i'm not reaching out to them i don't give a fuck about if you are somebody that's not thinking much about me i'm not thinking much about you it's nothing personal i love you if you reach out i'll be there but i'm not gonna put energy into people that's not put energy into me if i'm dealing with a person or you know even if it's my own damn mother and i'm not happy with something you're done i'm not dealing with it i'm just not in that place because if i don't protect my own mental health then i'll end up in a really bad dark place again and i'm just not going back there so hey so 
For anybody who might be listening, if you haven't heard from me, I haven't heard from you either. So I love you. I'm here. And I've been praying for you. And I do post a lot on Facebook. So just, you know, no, I'm thinking about you that way. Mm. With respect to work. Um, I so what did, is y'all doing? Like, since you're with the transportation, like, are y'all just... Delivering food. So okay. I, I run transportation for three school districts um, in the Flint area. And... You know, it was a struggle because when this thing first started, my thought, this is before we learned about the $600 that they were doing for the PUA. And um, I struggled to make sure we were a part of the food distribution. I struggled with that. I made sure, hey, um, you know, you guys have the food, the food services department. I got the food, but we got the logistics. We got the buses to get it to where it needs to go. So I fought to make sure my people still had work Mm -hmm. because the school shut down. So my thing is, oh, shit, I don't want my people to not have work. So my first thought in order priority was, oh, shit, what's going to happen to my people? Then I'm like, well, the kids need to eat still. And then my third thought was from a business perspective was what's going to happen to my location because it's like his own little business that I'm running. What's going to happen to my business? I don't have any revenue coming in. So these are these were big stressors for me as a transportation director, like what exactly is going to happen to my business, my people, these kids? Mm-hmm. That's important. And so, you know, I fought for it. And then eventually the PUA came out. A lot, then I, a lot of people wanted to stay at home because they were uncomfortable, which was fine. And then I had to furlough everybody. I spent about a week and a half working from home while I still had office staff because I wanted to make sure I was okay. And I have a 65-year-old mother at home too, you know, so... Um, and you know, I have blood pressure issues. That's an underlying condition we learned, especially the way it's attacking black people. So, um, I spent about a week and a half working from home. My boss was like, yeah, work from home, you know, just be safe, blah, blah, blah. Then it got to a point where he's like, yeah, you need to go back to the office. You need to go into the office. So he had mixed messages there, whatever. It's fine. I understand He's like, you know, he's a district manager. He's a great guy, but he sent mixed messages. So at first he's all stay home. And then I still had office staff. He's like, go back to work. I'm like, yeah, no problem. Um, But I wanted to wait to go back to work until I actually needed to furlough people. But I went back a week earlier. Week after I went back to work, I furloughed everybody, except for those drivers in my three school districts that were actually delivering food. So I've been at work every day running food distribution operations by myself for three school dis- first three school districts. So that's what my work life has been like. And it's not so stressful. It's not hard or anything, but it can get challenging because I have my administrative stuff to do, finance reports, you know, resolving some audit issues. Cause I have three audits and, you know, um, dealing with all the administrative shit plus the front line stuff. So it's been a little challenging. And then adding on top of that, two hours of driving every day to drive an hour to work an hour back home. So, compounded it could be a little uh but it's what it is i still mm-hmm. have a paycheck and i'm grateful for that so you know like we all here have a paycheck but it's still you know your paycheck is stressful for you to get my paycheck is a little stressful for me and i don't know is your okay so she's good <laughs> so. she's work she's working in the same field as always okay. she's always dealt with sick people and Listen here viruses and, and I always tell them like we that. didn't get a hazard pay so that means you've been paying me the same amount and, and it ain't been enough so no sir or ma'am will I be over here stressed yeah no yeah, exactly. sorry well that was yeah. a thank you very thank you deep random question mm-hmm. I do want to clarify something for people though we all have mentioned self self-care self-care does not mean being selfish you know during a time like this we've all had um, things that have impacted us emotionally. And if you have ever had someone that you relied on for emotional support, make sure you're still checking on them, even if you're not okay. Mm. Um, because 
not everyone is as vocal as the others about when they're feeling down, especially brown people, especially brown That's a men. Word. That's a word. So d- make sure that your self-care, you're not just at home like, oh, so-and-so is calling me. Well, I'm not going to answer because I'm so focused on my self-care. Like you can give 15 minutes of your time to someone just to ask them, how are you doing today? You know, the last time we spoke, you said you weren't doing so well. Like, how are you feeling today? Like, make sure you're checking in on those people. You know, mothers who are sitting at home having to now teach their children, you know, when they, we just spoke a few months ago about how parents don't care about teaching their children. You know, like now they have to, they don't have a choice. You know, it's been a big transition for everybody. So (laughs) self-care, self-care is great. Soak your feet, do your nails, watch some Netflix and have a beer or whatever. But make sure you are still relying, you know, giving to the people that you care about. Because once this is all said and done and we can go outside again, you know, things are going to look different for a lot of people. And everyone always wants someone to be there for them, but you're not there for them. So make sure you there's reciprocity between that. So That is such a good point. That just drives home what I just said about me. If I ain't seen you, you ain't seen me, it's just... It's reciprocity. Unfortunately, it's just how it is. Call it tit for tat. You got to be there for the people who care about you and you care about them. But if ain't nobody thinking about you, and you, hey, it's fine. Good time to reassess relationships. So, good point, James. So, um, we're going to move into our brown brilliance for the day. Hmm. So, this brown brilliance, like all of them, uh, is very very important and I want to take my hat off and bow and bend a knee in honor of all those who are working diligently to heal or help in this pandemic the police, airline employees my team at work um, who deliver food to underprivileged children in the community, teachers who care and are helping children to learn remotely by way of technology, parents at homes homeschooling during this time EMTs, restaurateurs who are delivering food to people who need it uh, bankers like James who are risking their lives daily to either help customers in that dumbass bank to show overdraft fee. Exactly. Okay, because it's a lot of that, ain't it? Yep, yep. <laughs> a lot of that. And call your bank and see if they reverse some stuff for you. <laughs> see if they're willing to help during this time. <laughs> and he's also helping people get money and all the bankers helping people get money to keep their businesses afloat. So, you know, we thank you very much for all that you're doing. I'm personally thanking you, James, although it may not mean oh, as much coming you. from me. Thank you. Um, and last but not least, those in the medical profession, like our very own Maria Renee, thank you for being on the front line. Sister. Oh, you're welcome. We appreciate that. I am proud of you for what you're doing and your contributions. Thank you for being there and putting yourself at risk to help heal people. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy thing to do. And I know you're not as worried about it because you, your <laughs> mindset is completely somewhere else. But to those who are concerned and those who are worried, you know, like my sister out there, Talitha. Talitha's a nurse. You know, my friend well, Michael. I, I'll say this. I feel like it, you you can't be worried dealing with the public because they feel they feel that they feel that's that. true. Um, a lot of this is stress related. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of stuff could have been alleviated with our patients if they weren't as stressed. Mm. So if you come in there and you're already fearful of the unknown and I, and you're panicking and they can feel that. Well, shit, they like, well, uh, yeah, okay. I'm good as done. <laughs> right. It's a wrap. It's kind of like when you go on an airplane and you see turbulence. If, if you, you watch right, the airline right. attendants, you're like, wait, is they scared? Is they, they ain't scared. They going on ooh, about their business. Then you'll never know. you like, oh, it's cool. It's just turbulence. So I ain't going to say I'm not, you know, concerned because I'm concerned about my patients. I'm just more angry than anything. And we, we'll get into that. 
And you've always been that way too, because yeah. you, I mean, like working in the healthcare field, you can't work in the healthcare field and take care of people and be stressed or anxious. Like you're not supposed to let people mm-hmm. see that. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's not anything new for you. You've always done that. Mm-hmm. So, and all, all the healthcare professionals have always done that. Because if I go in there with my arm <laughs> hanging half off and bleeding, you're not going to be like, ah! We gotta put it together right. now. Like, right. We all gonna look at you like, okay, chill. Right. It's just an arm. Right. Like, it's okay. We don't help you. We don't take care of you. It is so. just an arm. <laughs> yeah, that's the attitude. That I honor you for that attitude that you have. Um, and we are sorry that you're going through the stress you're going through, but there is a brighter side on tomorrow. Well, I got to go back there tomorrow. <laughs> well, the the proverbial tomorrow. <laughs> Brandon, like, huh? And that's why I really need to hurry and start this nonprofit because we got so much work to do in the community. And I would obviously hire you in a heartbeat. You already know that. In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. And I'd rather you be able to work with people who care about you and love you as opposed to the people who tell you that you should be grateful to have a job mm-hmm. and don't give two fucks about you. Mm-hmm. Clearly, I'm a person who cares for you. So, yeah, fuck them. Oh, let me tell y'all something. Mm-hmm. So, do you know I've been drinking water? Wait, what? <laughs> no, I'm for real. Like, all day, every day. She says she doesn't drink I drink orange, no orange juice for my iron pills because I've been taking my iron pills now. So, I got to drink okay, orange good. juice for that. But legit, it ain't no pop and juice in my house besides... Pr- oh, prune juice and orange juice is the only... Oh, juice you got to get yourself regular. Because that, that pill, boy, <laughs> stop you up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> nothing's the same person that says good she don't job. drink water. She, yeah. I love but it now. We have watched her go from when we were at Detroit Vegan Soul, which you know I just posted a yes. photo of that the other yes. day. And Miss she was it. trying vegan food Miss for the it. first time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she was actually very excited about yep. it. She said it tasted good. She went, yes. back, I went back and had it again. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then she's even cut out meat and been drinking. I'm very proud of you. Yep. That's great. I'm proud well, the of meat too. is back. But it's only but it's only salmon and chicken. Okay, I can do that. I can do that. I yeah. cut out meat completely. See, I was on that road for like six months. I yeah. was, and then I thought I was expecting, and then you know that. <laughs> hey, I really I was talk because like, he looks like he know about this. I don't know about this. Yes, you do. Did you tell about this? Oh, yes, because you paid for the pregnancy test. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember that day. Okay, now I remember. See, I'm old. I'm old. I gotta get some ginkgo. So I was like, oh well, let me eat meat because in case you know. And then I wasn't, so I'm gonna go. We're gonna start back. We're gonna start back. I gotta okay. slowly get back. That's beautiful. Yeah, I'm but water is like life. Life. Water will literally is, change a day. James and my is skin is like such a big turning. proponent of it's water, glow, glowing, yeah. and just yeah. I thought it was. Water. That's why I thought you and Pooba was back together because you glowing. Just I thought it was some sex. No. It's the water. It's the water. Water <laughs> and vitamin C. Yep, and vitamin. Everybody always wants to get on me for saying drink some water, but you know, even yesterday, I always tell my mom too to drink some water. Yesterday, she was like, you know what, Brandon, I had a headache. I had a glass of water and then my headache went away. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, bitch, that's exactly. What <laughs> <laughs> I've been telling oh, you. Yeah, that. I've been telling y'all, just drink some damn water instead uh-huh. of all that caffeinated, like, uh-huh. sugary. Yeah. Says the mess. Co- says the coffee connoisseur himself. Yeah, but coffee is like sugar free and it only got like five calories. And I don't put a whole bunch of cream and sugar up in there. I drink it black. Oh, you drink it black. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that what it sounds? Never mind. Uh, <laughs> So, yes, that's what it sounds on. like. Carry on. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> James' sound effects. So, uh, okay, let's get into the meat of this today. Um, okay, the so meat. We're on a topic, and 
let's really talk about COVID-19. Um, as a globe, we're at 4.4 million cases um, and more than 300,000 deaths. And in the U.S., we have more than 88,000 deaths. That's 88,000 people getting put in the ground or cremated or whatever they do. Um, so anyway, I'm sure that I speak for everyone when I say that um, I've never seen anything like this in my life. The COVID-19 pandemic is no respecter of person. It cares not what your race is, social class, birth date, twerk ability, nothing. <laughs> All it sees is a biological host with which it can replicate and reproduce itself. There's so much to talk about with this COVID-19, and I think we're going to give our perspective on several part series, maybe one or two shows, whatever. Um, but we're going to talk about a little bit more in depth about the experience that you kind of heard about some of our experiences already but we want to kind of talk more in depth with, you know, our own Maria Renee today just to kind of get some understanding about what's actually happening on the floor, what's happening with the patients, what's happening at the actual hospital. So, like I said, we're going to start here with our little Maria Renee and, um, yeah, get some perspective. So, let's talk to Maria Renee, James. Let's see what she's got to say to us about this COVID-19 at work. So clearly, you have a lot of opinions. Oh, about, it, that um, keyword opinions. This yes, is opinions, just what I, opinions. Opinions. You know, everybody. Goes, she is. What do you mean? She don't yeah, read right. the news. <laughs> she not watching CNN. She is misinformed. So no, just, she is not misinformed. <laughs> she works there, guys. I'm just guys. only giving you what I she see. She works there, and, I, and I'm gonna give you as much as I possibly can because also I am in the contract. So, oh yes, I don't want to be. That's very you true. Know, yeah. You don't want to contradict your contract, right? Yeah, so I have a license too, so I don't want to be. So well, we heard you were on cornbread and caviar. Because <laughs> we are that big, we are that big. Okay, because watch me walk into work and they play the episode like ding. <laughs> oh, you said what now? I said, huh? Who said that? Tell him Ramon said it. Tell him Ken Ramon said it. Have her and her call me. I don't know who that was. I don't know anybody. That named was James previously Brandon. recorded a long time ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But it was referencing the thing that happened just this past Monday. No, 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 no. it wasn't. No, y'all remember that meeting before? (laughs) We had a meeting before this. August, August of last year. You probably you wasn't there. You probably don't remember it. But um, so tell us about how um you felt when it first, like I would say March, probably about halfway through March is when everything kind of finally was like starting to shut down like how is it for you working at the hospital when it's like okay you can't you know nobody can come visit patients and all of that like how was that for you um it was tough because the human body and the and the human spirit needs another human body and human spirit right to get healthy um i understood the reason for it and the protocol i just felt like in some instances, morality should have stepped in and not just science. Right. Um, a lot of things could have been alleviated if they would at least like heard some type of voice. Or, you know, if maybe a nurse at some point could have just called and been like, you know, your mom or your, your child just says hello and they could have just hung it up. And right. that would have gave the patient that extra strength to keep fighting or to keep pulling. Right. Um, <clears throat> it's so much I want to say. I just, I was never the one that was like, oh my God, you know, this is, this is real. This is serious. How everything played out from the beginning, I was always skeptical. 
And y'all knew that. I mentioned that. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I just felt like it just Clear. trickled down mm-hmm. e- even to now. I don't feel like we have enough data. I don't feel like we have enough information. I don't feel like our scientists, the CDC, is giving the people something stern for us to believe. No. And their abilities to tackle this. Right. Um, I'm proud, though, of all the frontliners, the hospital for doing the best they can at what we were dealt with, you know. Um, and I'm also angry because I feel like the government knew way ahead of time and just didn't believe that it would come here. I think. Right. Um, our president and the powers that be. Who's president? Trump. Y'all president. (laughs) Trump, you know, just, he dropped the ball. Yeah. He dropped the ball. But also, I feel like we as a people, as in brown people, have enough power within ourselves that if we actually took the time to use our God-given strengths and minds, then we could have saw this coming as well. Um, Everybody expected for Caucasia to come and save us specifically. The Caucasia don't give a shit. (laughs) When (laughs) we've been here with these share crops and these herbs and these gardens and these fruits Ah. since we came over here. Speak! So we we so far gone and so far off the, the, the scale that we didn't forget the powers that was hand down and, and given to us. So now we're looking for some type of savior to be like, okay, when we going to be saved and look down upon it, the people who was just like, I'm not waiting on them. I'm finna use this herb, this herb, and that herb, and we're going to keep it pushing and keep it moving. Oh, well, then that's just dumb. Why would you do that? That's not going to fight this or it's not going to. When all the while you using exactly what we've been taught for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I do feel like as this progresses. Our skin color is going to be the guinea pig. For the medicine, the vaccines, um, we're going to be the first person, the first people to try it out, which we all know that. Our makeup is totally different than theirs. So I'm more concerned and worried about that because it's not going to be, it's not going to be good. I felt like it hit Detroit the way that it hit because we're not healthy. And I'm just going to put it out. As a people now. I can't say that, you know, Detroit was hit the worst or because I work in a predominantly Caucasian hospital and we still had COVID-19. We still had deaths too. We still had illnesses, right? But if everybody is drunk, everybody got weed, we eating Coney Island every day, ain't nobody working out, ain't nobody taking no vitamins, majority, if not all, has a pre-existing condition, Mm -hmm. what did you expect for it to do? Right. If your immune system is not even 80%, at the end of the day, it's still a virus, right? So they say it's it's still a virus. If you get a stomach virus or you get the flu, it got you got to let it take its course. Right. Unfortunately, this duplicated and it was greater than to be expected and it just fed off what you already had. And unfortunately, people passed. 
I've also been telling everybody if we're going statistic wise it is 50,000 cases of positive COVID-19 in Michigan alone. We've only lost 5,000 people. There's always going to be casualty of war, but we still beat the numbers. Yeah. Even, right. even starting last place in Michigan, we still have more people that have um, lived and, and progressed than people have died. Right. Right. That's true. You know, so, and everybody that quote unquote passed from COVID-19 didn't really have COVID-19. You can look that up. So now I'm upset because if somebody came to the hospital and they just had an asthma attack or they had the flu or they had pneumonia, it was a gunshot wound, we automatically putting down COVID-19. So if that is the case, why did y'all let it go to the media? Because now you got our people confused about what the numbers really are. Right. That's a problem. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. So how do we know really the truth that all the these African-American cases was truly COVID-19? You don't. So the first thing that you did was put fear in our people. Which is a control mechanism. Mm-hmm. But we know this already. Just like religion. You Can't talk about it in your, in your barbershop. You talk about it when you at the store. You... You know what I'm saying? I'm not telling people don't be cautious, but at the same time, do your research as well. Because for the past five years, the flu vaccine has not worked. Child, I had the flu back in January, and I thought I was about to pass. <laughs> it was the exact same symptoms. I was sick for two right? weeks. Right? The exact same. The only thing that was different was maybe the diarrhea and um, the vomiting, the sense of smell and taste. But other than that, it was really exactly on the same spectrum. And I just feel like from a healthcare worker standpoint, ain't none of them gave me enough data and information for me to be comfortable in in believing that when this vaccine do come, that we can trust it. Especially in the past five years that the flu had been around for decades and y'all still ain't got that right. Right. Do you think that... Brown people, and I mean, you've kind of touched on it. Do you think that brown people aren't taking it serious enough? We Are never take nothing. the social distancing enough? We, and we, <laughs> This is what made me, and it's not funny, but everybody was on here like, well, I'm not going, I'm not going outside. I'm not going to, so, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to stay in the house. And, and you had those that did social distance, and then you had those that didn't. But it was like for the last... I would say two months, you knew somebody that knew somebody that passed from Mm COVID-19. And that still didn't stop us from being, from doing the whole social distancing thing. Some took it serious and some didn't, right? If it didn't affect you personally, which is us just all the time anyway, it really didn't matter. Um, Our nurses and doctors that work in like the DMCs and the St. John's and the Hearing Forest, yes, they was concerned because they actually saw it. Right. And even then, some of them was even, and I ain't going to say some, majority of them was confused. I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, is it really, is this this, you know? Um, I think now at this point, sometimes we wear ignorance as a badge of honor. Oh, absolutely. You can scroll down Facebook and see that. You know what I'm saying? Because if you, <clears throat> like now the big three is going to open up. Mm-hmm. And all of them is just like, they're panicked. They're scared. As it should be to some right? degree. To some degree. But also, 
because this is not our world, you got a bonus. You signed a new contract just before this. Mm-hmm. If you thought that that contract wasn't going to be honored, whether COVID-19 or not, if we all decide to not go to work, because, you know, the big three is predominantly us, just about. Mm-hmm. If we all decided let's just stay home and we're going we gonna to wait this out, what would they do? Ain't shit they can do. Fire everybody. They have to re-pop, re-staff uh, everybody. They, they're not gonna, they can't do that. It's a health hazard. I, shit, I personally say take a stand. This mm-hmm. is something that's killing people. A lot of people have died. Are we going to do that? No, because we want to we make no. money. And Highly. then the companies, but the companies will say, okay, well, we have work available. Because <clears throat> I know that when I have to bring people back, I'm going to have to be that asshole and say, hey, I need you to come back to work because we're about to get back up and running. There are going to be some people who are going to meet me with, I'm not comfortable, I'm not coming back to mm-hmm. work. And I'm going to have to say, I will deny your unemployment. You have to come back to work. Mm-hmm. It's a dog-eat-dog world. Mm-hmm. You know? It is. Because I guess... And then that puts me in the place of the assholes that you work for in a sense because I have to, I'm not going to have the attitude of be grateful you have a job, but I'm going to be thinking this is, because I look at my location that I run as my little business and it's a high volume business, but I have to think about it. If this thing doesn't make money and I'm not successful, then I lose my job. Mm-hmm. So y'all got to come back to run these buses <clears throat> because the kids need to be transported. And COVID-19 is not going anywhere. No. I think we need to understand and put that in our minds now that our normalcy before March, it will not be the same. Right. That's not, that's over. What happened right. before March is done. Yeah. It's done. We'll, um, there, there will be a new wave because it's flu season. And it comes with flu. It come, you know what I'm saying? That, so we know that right. it's here. Now we're more equipped to deal with it. You know what I'm saying? Um, and at the end of the day, this is a billion-dollar profit. Right. Everybody is eating. Everybody's making money off of it. That's why I said it's going to be... Because some people... How many people we got that don't have jobs? That are not making money, filing for unemployment, not able to successfully get through the unemployment to get their issues resolved, getting these weird ass and cryptic messages from unemployment offices, waiting on your employer to da 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 da, and then they come talk to me. Well, we don't have anything. They haven't sent us anything, so we don't know what they're talking about. I can't help you. I'm sorry. I got people trying to make sure they can pay their bills because I had to furlough these people. So it's like, okay, well, I don't know how to help you, but I'll send it up to HR. I always send it up to corporate HR, no matter how many times they come, how many, how many people come. I always blast it to corporate HR. They're probably tired of hearing from me, but I'm trying to help my people. Mm-hmm. But there ain't nothing I can do. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. That is correct. Unemployment, they, they're, under, they're overwhelmed. What should have happened was they, had, they should have had a mass hiring of all the people that needed the unemployment. We're going to hire y'all to help cover or help hire some of y'all to help cover everything for everybody else. So that way we'll pay you. Your wages will be the unemployment money you would get anyway, but you can help us resolve all these unemployment claims. They could have had an online Zoom training for, you know, a week or something. So this is what we're going to send you a computer. But remember, this is, this is how we you didn't sign believe in, blah, blah, blah. that it was coming here. Yeah, but we, it's here we now. Didn't, it's here now. People got to be able know, to shift quickly. Hire, <laughs> you know... Like Kelly, I Ferguson, agree. Hire people quickly. You got to be able to shift when shit happens. So. I agree. Not only did people not believe it was coming here, people are irresponsible when it comes to illness in the first place. 
especially like your friends, your family, you'd be like, oh, I don't feel well. Like, I feel like I might have a little bit of a fever. Oh, you're going to be all right. Come on. You can come out to the club still, sis. You're going to be all right. <laughs> or, you know, you, you can still come to work. You'll be fine. You can still read and write and type. Like, you still come to work. You know, we, do, we already don't take not feeling well as a joke. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, oh, you'll be all right. It's always a you'll be all right instead of, oh, my goodness, you need to nurse yourself back to health mm-hmm. before it gets worse. Being human. You know, mm-hmm. when I was was sick with the flu earlier in the year i had you know i was out of work for 10 days which i'm sure if, if if you was to if you were to been tested it would have been COVID 19 yeah i was throwing up and i ain't had nothing in my system mm-hmm. i was throwing up for three days and i hadn't like every time i would try to eat something or take a fluid like I, it was nothing mm-hmm. nothing came up and then i had to pay like 150 dollars for tamiflu mm-hmm. Which I was still sick like four days after mm-hmm. I was taking Tamiflu. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they prescribed me something else to help with the dizziness that came with mm-hmm. it. But I had a fever for like eight days straight. Mm-hmm. It was like 104. Yep. I thought I was going to die. Which are all symptoms of right. COVID-19. Yeah, like I really thought that I was going to die. Mm-hmm. Like, Do you think that your aligned with COVID-19? Yeah, definitely. I think that they align with it like all the way. Mm-hmm. All the way. Um, but yeah, I was... At home, and I had went back to work the first day that my doctor said I could go back to work, and my employer was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I had a mask on when I went back to work, and they were like, well, we can't let you wear the mask here. Like, we're going to see if, like, maybe you should just go home for the day. Halfway through the day, I get a text from my manager talking about, oh, you can come to work tomorrow. Well, bitch, it's too motherfucking late now. Like, no, you don't get to decide when I feel good enough to come back. I came back to work today, even though I wasn't feeling good, because we are programmed to feel bad for missing work. For missing work, that is correct. And we are so, that's everybody's first priority is work, 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 instead of taking care of themselves as a person, their mental and physical health. And so um, I don't even know where I was going with that. Oh, just touching on how people are irresponsible when it comes to illness in the first place. And now everyone's a hypochondriac. And it's like annoying. Mental health like, and, 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 You should have been washing your hands and not touching your exactly. face and wiping your ass exactly. and taking your ginger shots yep. and drinking your kombucha yep. that you make fun of me for drinking. Yep. <laughs> like you should have been doing all of that before. And I'm not making light of nobody that lost a loved one to COVID-19 by, by no means. Um it is unfortunate because I think five to six to ten years down the line and we really get off into what this was, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt even more because I do believe a lot of it could have been prevented. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, and ain't nobody trying to hear why it happened or it, when you lost somebody. You know what I'm saying? I get that. Right. Ain't nobody trying to hear the... The arguments between the government and, and our doctors and, and our, you know what I'm saying? And nobody's trying to hear it. All they know is that their loved one is no longer here. So I truly uh, empathize with that. I just feel like the ball was dropped and it's only going to put us further back. And it's still being dropped by you dumbass white motherfuckers that want to keep protesting at the damn Capitol and well, hanging Barbies by me, nooses. Let me, let me say, uh, listen, I'm going to play devil's advocate real quick with this. Okay. Um, lawfully, right, just by the laws, they aren't doing nothing wrong. Freedom of speech. Oh, absolutely. Them toting the guns, all of that. They, that's one thing I will say. They know they lost. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure, right? They, 
I'm more upset with with Big Gretch, as we calling her, because you went publicly on television and said, because they are protesting and marching, I feel as though that's why we're going to have to keep the stay-at-home order a little longer. Now I have a problem. Because you're not keeping a stay-at-home order because you want to keep people safe. You keeping a stay-at-home order because you want to piss them off and prove something to them. I don't like that. You can't play politics and with people's lives. You can't do that. Right. So you got to take your picks, sis. Is you going to keep us in home because you're trying to get federal funding and you legit want to keep us safe? Or are you keeping us at home because they didn't piss you off for marching and making us look like a complete fool to the rest of the United States of America? Because we know the good old boys is running your pockets. So at some point, you're going to have to open this thing up anyway. We already know that. And shit, half the shit is open anyway. You can <laughs> you, still go to you McDonald's. You well. You can still go to McDonald's and get that burger and fries that's going to kill you off too. You can still go to Sherwin-Williams and get paint for your house since y'all want to do home projects so damn bad. Lowe's ain't never closed. You can closed. still go into Lowe's Home Depot and never home closed. Depot. I can still go up into Target and get me a whole new outfit to sit at home in and take pictures. Just, I mean... Um, you know, Amazon is still delivering everything. It's okay. not like they took it down to just essential items. Mm-mm. Like, everyone's idea of essential is slightly different. Um, but, yeah, so half the shit that's still open now could be closed. No shade. And she like, felt like, you know, her stay at home was the reason we had the low numbers that we did. And it's just like, well, what was actually closed that you feel like kept us? Because everybody was still at the grocery store like it was, you know what I'm saying? Bell out yesterday was just packed. It was. <laughs> it I, has been. I saw Bella from a distance. I was riding bikes on a river walk. And you only going to keep us in for so long. And that's just whether it's an order or not, sis. It's only going. And we didn't lost all our loved ones and cousins. We just over it at this point. We just like, okay, well, I mean, I didn't get sick. My media didn't get sick. My third auntie passed, rest her soul. But other than that, we've been good. Right, people are going to take it serious until it happens to them. Because so. I was more upset that you you decided to open up the golf course, Child. but you didn't open up the Secretary of State. Child. <laughs> I was driving down you, you, Carpenter Road, and all them people was out there playing golf, and I was just looking like, is that like you can't play in your backyard? The beaches is open, and and lawnscaping is open, but the Social Security office isn't open. That don't make no sense. And I can't get a normal appointment at my doctor's. Either mm. like it's like oh no like unless it's an emergency t- we just gonna talk to you over the yeah. phone unless I had a sty for two weeks I thought my eye was gonna combust like combust. We, we're all we're it's all a- <laughs> I was like what is this on my eye it's still a little crusty up there but like I called my doctor she was like oh just do a warm compress honey that's all mm-hmm. I'm like okay. Like, that's fine. And I did a warm compress. It took two weeks for that shit to go away. And, and I was sitting here like, even with them uh, working through uh, the telecare, everybody's still getting a paycheck. Yeah. So. Absolutely. I mean. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, like, I ain't trying to be, you know, mean or nothing, but nothing really. We just altered it. We just moved some things around, but everything is pretty much, you know, the same. We have a shortage in meat. And I just was like, well, that ain't nothing bad. That's fine. Because y'all don't need to be eating that anyway. I mean, I, I know we're accustomed to 
you know, our ribs and our chicken and our beef. But, but don't go buying up my Beyond Meat, please, because I still need oh, that. Oh, no. We're so, we tearing that down. No. <laughs> no. Don't buy my shit. I up. think it's going to be. But I, I also feel like this quarantine was good because if you think about it, if we do get rid of the meat, we'll become more, as a people, we'll become more healthy. We can start eating the Beyond you know what I'm After saying? After I buy come, it, then y'all can fight about it. We're going to become vegans and um, vegetarians, right? We're going to actually get off into our fruits and our vegetables. We can go fishing yeah, for ourselves. Yeah, we can fish. I will say that that's something, you know, like I, I tend to frequent Whole Foods and um, like Fresh Time. And I will say that I've seen an increased number of brown people yes. in Whole Foods. yes. First, I want to say, we don't wear our bonnets in Whole Foods or yeah, Target. Listen, Y'all leave those at home, please. No, no, no. No, you wear it in Walmart. Wear it in Walmart. But we don't wear it in Target and Whole Foods. You're not about to take away the culture. Y'all <laughs> no. wear your bonnets at Whole Foods. No, don't wear your bonnet in Whole Foods, We take please. over. We take over, baby. Because they starting thing. to look at me like I'm crazy. So please don't wear your bonnet in Whole Foods. They didn't look at you like you were crazy, Brandon. They got scared. Basically, they got scared. Basically, they was they're like, like Who is this Negro in here buying up the kombucha? Now they didn't found out the about the secrets. Oh um. my lord! <laughs> they know about raw vegetables. Okay. <laughs> oh, we can't have nothing to ourselves. Okay, that's exactly what it is. The Negroes have found <laughs> out the truth, <laughs> not knowing that we've had the truth from the very All beginning. All along. So, so it's exciting to get back to our roots. It is. It's cute. I'm glad to see people in there. But I want to bring it back to you and your your life at mm-hmm. work. So how, how has, if any, how has your everyday life at work changed since this broke out? More cleaning, more sanitizing than we've already been. You know, the hospital has to already be Very up to her. But now I do feel like you can really eat a steak off <laughs> Um, We as a staff Have truly come together And tackled this As one big family It's like Mm -hmm. the cousins That you don't like But they came up Grandma's house And grandma like Y'all all finna clean up Right That room Yeah You like huh Yeah We gotta clean this room So let's just You know Let's just get it done are they only having, and I ask this because my stepdad works at a hospital mm-hmm. and I know they've taken very strict things about like cleaning the rooms. Like at first there was still two to three people going in. Now they're only allowing one person to go in and clean the room. And then they were like, well, shit, the nurse should clean the damn room because they're the ones in there actually caring for the patients. So they can we clean san- the room. We sanitize to a certain degree. Okay. We do. Um, when it was really in the thick of it, we would come to work in our regular uniform and then we would change into the uniform at the hospital mm-hmm. and then we'll suit up okay. from head to toe um, because the numbers are decreasing. It's only specific floors that does that now. Right. So we only got maybe two or three floors that strictly still COVID, but mm-hmm. the rest of the hospital is back to normal. Okay. Have you guys experienced a shortage in supplies Man, at all? what? <laughs> I just, well, I, listen, I want to know where is the millions and millions of dollars that they were sending to the hospitals. We were having all these telethons and concerts and um, it was all these organizations giving. Where Where is it? Mm-hmm. Where is it at? Somebody's pocket. Okay. Like always. <laughs> Just go straight to somebody's pocket. Because we were recycling supplies for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's dangerous as fuck. That's what my stepdad said. He was like, "They ain't here washing uniforms and shit." And, I mean, you know, like <laughs> I'm gonna just keep it all the way a thousand. Yeah. So 
I was just like, well, shit, if, if everybody gets sick, then maybe that'll wake the government up to be like, okay, well, maybe they do need supplies at this point. Right. But unfortunately, our staff wasn't, everybody didn't get sick. So <laughs> pretty much everybody was, was healthy. Um, you know, the, the logistics of money, of course, we are petitioning and fighting and union is working on trying to get us hazard pay. And um, they were telling us to use PTO instead of them giving us workman's comp and, you know, all the little political stuff that was going on, mm-hmm. which comes with, with this type of work, you know. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're a number. And all, and it actually separated. Oh, my God, I'm sorry. What? I was calling him the N-word. Huh? No. Okay. No. Okay. Um, what was I saying? Oh, it really separated the nurses who was there for a check. Oh, yeah. And those who actually love what they're doing. For sure, for sure. Right. It was evident. So, yeah. Um, now, if you could say one thing to brown people about this whole situation, um, and social distancing and everything, from your professional point of view, not your personal opinion, but your professional point of view, what would you say? We got to get healthy. There's no way around it. We got to start teaching our children, our our, uh, senior citizens. We legit have to understand that our bodies are a temple, and it has to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. If, if nothing that I haven't learned is that specifically. Mm-hmm. Yes, our blood type is strong. Yes, our organs are unique. But the body can only take so much when it's unhealthy. Right. I agree. So that's both professional and personal. Yeah. We have to hold ourselves accountable and get healthy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Period. Period I feel like Period our poo. men would live longer. If they actually went to the doctor okay, and saw some type of PCP, right? you know, and don't do it every six years, right? get a full head to toe physical, I mean, touching body parts that ain't been touched. And, and don't do it just when you're sick either. No, you got to go twice a year. I don't even think it should be once a year no more. For our brown men, it should be twice a year. Right. Twice a year. I mean... Thorough physical in right. your ears, your eyes, your butt talks, your scrotum, okay. your feet, your hips, your back. Period. We need to go to the doctor. I agree completely. That's just that. Yes. So I agree with Maria Renee. And I just wanted to say one thing. I know a lot of y'all are out here. You know, you don't want to social distance. You still <laughs> having parties with your good, good girlfriends. <laughs> y'all traveling to Atlanta and Miami and just living it up with your unemployment checks. No shade. Um, however, just be aware of what you're doing and the situation that you are putting yourself and your loved ones in. Um, it's it's dangerous and it's like clear that you guys don't care and it can be very very frustrating to see people that you love and care about like y'all are you know i understand people are getting tired of sitting in the house so you want to go sit with your good good girlfriends and stuff but just just don't pass the blunt this time but i think that came from because 
our media and our government never really explained to the extent of what we're actually seeing. So we never took, you know, we, I think we are a see people. Like we got to physically see it. Nobody can, I think if you ask anybody like what is COVID-19, they can't even tell you what it is. We just right. know it's a, a virus that's killing people. Mm-hmm. They can't tell you what it's made up of, where it came from. Right. None of that. So, But I think one thing that people, despite the confusion in the media, one thing that people feel is, is fear. And that showed, you know, and when this very first it broke took out. It took us out more than anything right. with the fear. Yeah, the fear, you know, everyone was rushing out to buy toilet paper and Clorox and hand sanitizer, buying up cases of water and mm-hmm. shit, making stores have to put up signs mm-hmm. like, uh, don't be greedy, like, you know, one per household or whatever. Um, so, I mean, I feel like it's it's surprising me that the fear that I know that I personally feel and that people have, around me have felt is not doing more for people. Like the fear of losing a loved one or even passing yourself or or getting sick yourself. You know, like I've been on Facebook and I see people that I may not know like on a real, real personal level, but I know who they are. I may have met them once or twice who were posting pictures from their hospital bed looking very sickly. And it's like, oh my God, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like a little bit of me is like, oh no, like what would I do if that person were to pass? Like that would be sad Mm -hmm. for all of us. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, the fear could have done more for us as a people, but I guess people really just don't care. <laughs> so <laughs> they just don't care. So yeah, I agree. Any other questions for our Maria Renee? I don't have any more questions. Do you have any questions for Maria Renee? I got shit for you, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> Wash your hands, people. Wash your hands. Um, Always. Wash your hands. Yeah, that's important. If you can, do the six And try feet. to be six feet. Yeah I, yeah, I say eight feet. Do eight feet. Wash your hands. Do you, but we're just about at the end for, uh, for now. Because the summer. What about that fall, though? That fall situation? Well, we will tackle that when we when we get there. But for right now, everybody is just like, okay, it's going to be hot. So we know the virus is going to die in heat. Let's, right, let's get it. level, certain percentage of Let's humidity. get it. Let's get it done. People tend to get more sick in the fall anyways. Mm-hmm. It's no different than any other time. Yeah. Like we are now a little bit more equipped to handle it. And although people have turned into hypochondriacs, they're doing a better job at keeping themselves and their spaces clean. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, although there could be a second wave of this, it'll, it won't be as bad just so because oh, I don't think it will. people, I'm, people I'm are taking sure. the necessary precautions. Like for one person that doesn't have on a mask, 20 people do, you know, like, um, so I just hope that people still take that, First of all, you shouldn't be up in each other's faces in the first damn place. That's nasty. Like people are just nasty in the first place. People don't you don't know what people are doing when you're not with them. They not they already not washing their hands, already not washing their ass. Like it's nasty. So why be up in somebody's personal space anyways? Now this is even more of a reason for you to be hypersensitive and aware about your body and what can happen to it unknow you know, not knowing it. Like mm-hmm. it shouldn't take the thought of getting sick for you to want to be clean. Like you should Correct. just want to be to clean, take care of yourself. right? And to take care of yourself. So, but again, this was something that I feel like the universe gave us, and it was something that it's we the purge, needed. Child. Seriously, because now you got people that are more conscious of their bodies and their health, and they want to get healthy. Mm-hmm. You got people that are washing their hands. You got companies that are taking accountability for cleaning, like you should have been doing from the beginning. Yes, you know what I'm saying. Yes. So this was like a reset button for us to get back to. 
And for God's sakes, our earth is re-cleansing itself. Boom, that part. Child, the geese is out and wild, and I don't oh, like. You know it. how you the feel geese about I mean, trying to get me when I went to the park. They birds, got their babies. These birds is shitting at a level that I've never <laughs> seen them shit before. Like they, I don't know if it's healthy shit. They shat it on my fucking car. I had to got it washed, and they shat it on my car. And it, the car wash did not do a good job of getting it off because that shit on my car was extremely. It was some shit that just doesn't come off. I don't yeah. know what it is. The rainforest is repl- the the trees it, are. I mean, Mother again. Nature is like, wow, I can breathe. They yeah. said in L.A. the smog is, is damn gone near away. clear. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. It's there is some good. It is because global yeah. warming is serious. Let me just say yes, this. It is. Let me just do mm-hmm. a, a side step real quick. Mm-hmm. So when I was riding bikes with some of my friends yesterday, um, James was going to come, but he didn't make it. But we went on a tour. A bike tour downtown. Of course, it was only six of us. We were socially distant. It was great. Um, and you would have really enjoyed this. I got to tell you a couple of things. I want to sh- tell you a few things. So I'll take you to the other end of the Riverwalk. Remember where my former therapist's uh, office was? Dr. Rose. Yeah, Dr. Rose. I showed you that <laughs> other part of the Riverwalk that most black folks don't know about. So we went on a tour of all that. My friend works for the city. And he is the contract manager for all these people who are doing all that construction work. So it was a really great tour. And he took us through the Quinter Cut and showed us a lot of different things. It was mm-hmm. really cool. One thing he showed us is right at the other end of the Riverwalk where I showed you, there was a barge there that we saw last year when we went there. And the barge was level with the concrete ground. So you could like walk up on it or ride your bike on it. The water level has raised so much so that instead of it being flush, now the barge that's floating on the water is up here. So you can't even ride a bike on it. Like it's, this is, a, it's really high. It's like really high. Like if you look at it legitimately, it's like this is the ground and here's how high the barge is. So you can't mm. even, so the water level is raising, which lets, it's an indication for us that the polar ice caps are melting. Melting. Because mm-hmm. of global warming. Mm-hmm. So the more, there's more water supply out there. And he said in the next, I don't know, was it five, it was 20, I don't remember, he said five years or 20, I don't remember, but he said the next several years, it's going to be flooded out downtown Detroit because the water level is rising so rapidly because of global warming. Those mm-hmm. polar ice caps are melting. And also, inside those glo- those polar ice caps, are, uh, disease. the disease, patho- pathogens are in there, ancient pathogens that's going to come and wipe our asses out. I mean, these, <laughs> is, these is ancient pathogens that well. they so ancient that we evolved beyond it, but because we evolved beyond it and our bodies don't know nothing about it no more, it's going to come in just like COVID-19 to fuck us up because mm. it's in, it's frozen in the ice caps. And mm-hmm. now that it's all getting melted out, there are viruses that were frozen and they're coming. I watched a news report about it. So I was like, God damn. I did see an article about that. That's scary as hell. Mm-hmm. All because y'all sent it. And y'all don't know God. <laughs> Period, poo. Period, poo. Y'all don't go there. I don't see y'all at church, so I know y'all ain't. Period, poo. It's just crazy that this kind of stuff is happening. So this reset is important. And I don't know how the fuck... And this is just me. Before we move on, I just got to say this as well as part of my sidestep. I don't understand how you politicize human life. How you politicize global warming. It should just be we are all working right. together as a globe to get rid of COVID-19. We are all working together as a globe but we're to not get rid of, get rid of the... Uh, because the whole but purpose, we should be. But the whole purpose is to financial gain. To get rid of global warming. Or the, right. It <laughs> is. But that's what I'm saying. Forever going to be at this time. The, politi- so, yeah. the politics root back to money. Yeah. Right. How do you politicize human life? How do you politicize the earth, which is the only habitable planet that we currently have? 
you know what I'm saying? It's, like, oh, it's just always about money. Big Pharma is in place. It's just, you know, like, yes, bring like, these I'm sure on. there are cures for things beyond our belief, you know. Even cancer, HIV, there's a cure. HIV, everything. Because a man got cured for HIV overseas you make, with stem cells. They're making so much money off mm-hmm. of this and treat, you know, um, chemo and all of that stuff. Like, they just make so much money off of it. So, why am I going to, you know, charge you for this cure and then I'm never going to make money off of you ever again but instead is, of just what always I mean making money off of you. Us tapping into our third eye and really getting in, into who we really are. If or do we do we pay the politician's salary? Do the people? Yes. We're his constituent with tax money. Do our, our tax money Our pay? tax dollars. People who live in Detroit, their taxes pay the governor. The, I mean, the, the, the mayor and the, mayor the and, city council and all that stuff. And, and then, then the whole United States pay for the Senate and the president and the, and the Congress. House. Yeah. We, the, the state pays oh. for the governor. Because the fear, it, the fear was put in us where I think we forgot that. We've totally forgot that. They work for they, us. Simple. I'm their motherfucking I'm just boss. Gonna, okay. So anyway, I thought maybe I was wrong or something. Maybe no. I didn't. No, you light skin, honey. You always you right. Know, but I, see, see, we was doing good. We were doing really well, and you fucked it up. I have to lift us up. I have to lift me up. I'm a minority. I'm gonna create a Facebook group just for light skin people. But no, I did say that on my social media. I cannot live in fear. I really can't. It gives me anxiety. Oh yeah, absolutely. Really, that was really that's do. been me the last I, week. I can't be that one. Is oh, <laughs> girl, this COVID nineteen finna. I was. I can't. I, I really can't function like that. That's been me the last week. People I, in there I trying cannot, to shake my hand and stuff, and I'm like, I ain't I touching can't you. function like that. Oh, you're not touching me? Uh, do you not know what's going on in the world right now? I don't know what you and your so, hands been. I think if we get to the mindset that they won't be who they are without the money that we put in, Maybe some things are shaking. Well, we have to pay taxes by law, so I'm sure we could do about that. But we do need to reach out to our Congress people and say something. We need to reach out. I had all my people at work when they shit wasn't going through at the unemployment office. I had them reach out to their representative in the Flint area to get them what they need. I said, y'all need to email. Here's the phone. I sent them their phone number, mm-hmm. their email addresses, because I got an app where I can communicate with all my people. I sent it all out to them. I said, y'all need to call and harass her office every single day till y'all get what y'all want. Because one of my other employees, she did it and it worked. They went to bat for her and she got her shit together. They got her her money going. Okay. So she's fine. So Speaking of Flint, I want to shout out Rihanna and Big Sean because they donated a combined total of $3.2 million to Flint um, and for COVID relief efforts. So oh, shout out to them. I didn't know. Well, actually, that point two was me. So point two pennies? Mind your business. First of all, what did they re- go to specifically? Or they just yeah, the city of Flint? Or? I don't know 100%. I didn't see that much see information on it. And when they, when, when he, again, this is one that, that turns me a little bit because the big names is given oh, here. this. I have it right here. Local nonprofit groups set to receive grants include YWCA Safe House, Freedom House Detroit, My Brother's Keeper of Genesee County, Shelter of Flint, Genesee County Youth Corp, Catholic Charities of Shiawassee and Genesee Counties, and the Center for Children. There's a whole list of places right here okay. that are supposed to be receiving the and grant. Some of those I'm familiar with because some of the kids that are um, displaced. Follow up on it. 
that's displaced, they live there. We do transport those kids back and forth mm-hmm. to the shelter to school. So follow, follow up on that and see if, if yeah, that. yeah. I want to see because Rihanna, I just bought some of your sunglasses, honey. So I know my my coin went to that. Okay, so we're gonna move on now. <laughs> Aside from your sunglasses, you following up with the conspiracy theory. <laughs> Um, so now we want some perspectives from other medical professionals. Um, one of my friends, um, Naeem, he is a CRNA, which is, I never have an easy time saying this. He is a nurse anesthetist. So he's the nurse that works with the anesthesiologist. Mm-hmm. Big coin. Yes. A hundred grand a year or more. Way more. Mm-hmm. Um, Naeem is a very competent professional, great friend of mine. Uh, we don't talk often, but when we do talk, we pick right back up where we left off. Mutual respect for each other, and he's fantastic. So what you're going to hear now is an interview that the Cornbread and Caviar team did with Naeem to understand what his day-to-day life looks like as a medical professional. All right. So we at Cornbread and Caviar... We wanted to have a conversation with someone else besides Maria Renee, who's in the medical field, but we wanted to make sure we got to talk to my friend, Naeem. Naeem is a CRNA, um, and so we just kind of want to talk to him and find out what's different for him. So we're going to get started with a quick interview. Thank you for your time, Naeem. How are you, friend? Good afternoon. I'm doing very well. How are you guys? I'm fine. It's your crew. I'm we're sure good. Doing we're great. good. We're good. We're yes. good. Thank you for taking time. This is actually our first telephone interview like this, so thanks for taking time to talk to us. And I miss your My face. Pleasure. I can't wait to see you soon. It's going to be great to see you when this thing is all over. Um, so let's get right into the interview. So, James, did you have a question for Naeem? Yes, I do. Hello, Naeem. How are you? Hello. I'm fine, James. All right. So before we get started, Ramon mentioned that you are a CRNA. Could you briefly explain to us what that is? I'm a certified registered nurse anesthetist, so I'm a registered nurse who specializes in anesthesia um, services for patients. So I went back to school and got a master's in uh, nurse anesthesia. Beautiful. And how long have you been doing that for? Um, December 3rd of this year will be 13 years, exactly. Congratulations. Oh, my God. I've been a registered (laughs) nurse for 18 for those who don't know, being a CRNA means coin. Naeem has graciously agreed to pay off all my student debt because he's that good of a friend of mine. So amazing. We will talk about it later, Naeem. Um, anyway, <laughs> next question. Hey, Naeem. Hey, Maria. Hey, oh, my God. This is an exciting show. Um, sure, <laughs> How has this thing been for you at work? Like, since I know that some of the surgeries canceled and we're only doing like emergency surgeries like at my hospital our crnas are helping out with the workload on the floor with the registered nurses so have you encountered that or no um at the height of it um we did encounter um where the patients um were not in just regular rooms it was such an overflow and influx of patients in the hospital that um Areas that normally didn't have patients now were house the patients. For example, our recovery areas where we would normally bring a patient after surgery were now transported into pop-up ICUs. Our endoscopy unit where we would normally do procedures for people having colonoscopies or um, gastroscopies were converted over to okay. um, 
COVID-19 okay. use. So right, right. because at that time there was such a shortage of ventilators, they end up using the ventilators um, out of our um, operating room, out of the OR. So um, because these are the um, machines that, that anesthetists utilize and respiratory therapists um, weren't familiar with them, we kind of helped man, man the vents and the monitoring equipment that went with those vents. Fortunately, at my facility, I did not have to function as a solely independent ICU nurse for my patients. However, there was the ability that it was offered that if we wanted to work as an ICU nurse for extra, um, you know, for like overtime stuff, that we could have worked there. I do know that a lot of other facilities, excuse me, the uh, nurse, the anesthetists, um, might have worked with um, I didn't particularly have to do that at, at my facility. Uh, this is a heads up. My initial training anesthesia providers for all our anesthetists are before. So for some of us, that was like for myself, I haven't had been in the ICU in over 15 years. For other people, that might even five years. It depends on where you are in your practice. So, yeah, it's a little different from being an ICU nurse versus be, being an anesthetist. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. sure. I'm more than sure mm-hmm. of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was it more of a learning experience for you, though? Um, not necessarily, because, again, I didn't wasn't in direct patient care. Um, okay. I, I did do breathing treatments for the patients and stuff like that. But each patient, fortunately, had their own ICU nurse. So that nurse was still in charge of the patient in terms of passing the, you know, doing that kind of thing. So, oh, okay. yeah, the only, the, okay. the biggest, the biggest change for me would have been, um, wearing all the extra PPE to be, um, protected. And we took over all the intubations in the whole hospital, um, which pretty much already did, but, our department would, you know, intubate their own patients unless uh, it was a difficult airway. Then they would call us, you know, for help or something. But we, um, during the height of the pandemic, just recently did all the intubations throughout the whole Um So, like you mentioned, it was the same at our facility, and it's even still, um, it's not completely lifted yet. Um, all elective procedures canceled so that basically means that if you were trying to go to the hospital and get a nose job or a boob job mm-hmm. or just something that was not life-threatening, uh, we'll see you when this is over. Um, it was right. over emergency. Um, and so at the height of it, um, because a lot of the uh, other staff, like a lot of the OR nurses and even the endoscopy nurses, they end up becoming like basically ICU nurses um, there wasn't always a pre-op RN, operating room RN, or a recovery room nurse available. So we transport, you know, the return of people's exposure. So sometimes um, our role changed a little bit that um, I would pre-op my patients, I would recover the, the patient, and at the end of the case, I would transport the patient back to their designated area. So that was a little bit of a role change. It wasn't anything that I felt uncomfortable doing, but it was just something that was 
new, non-traditional, if that makes sense. Right. Um, so we talk a lot about work because obviously a lot of nurses are doing different things now, whether it be a CRNA or a regular RN or any other type of nurse. Um, talk about how's your family? Like, how are you? How's home? Is everybody okay? Anybody uh, uh, get tested positive for COVID-19 in your family? Any challenges with the personal life? And from that, um, in my immediate family, I was blessed enough not to have anybody um, affected with the disease in my immediate family. Um, at the height of it, um, for probably about a month, um, with the social distancing and everything, um, my mom is going to be 65 this month. My dad turned 67 back in January. Um, you know, I wasn't really seeing them. Like, I would go over there every Sunday or whatever. I would always see them and stuff like that. So... Um, I wasn't seeing them as much. And then when I did see them, I had a mask on, you know, I made sure that I, I was asymptomatic, meaning I didn't have a temperature or a cough. Um, I wasn't sneezing. I didn't have like the loss of taste or smell and any gastrointestinal effects like diarrhea and things of that nature. So I felt very comfortable when I did interact with them. But when I did go over there, it was like the hand washing. I didn't hug and kiss them. I kept a mask on. Um, things of that nature, because my mom and dad helped me a lot with um, babysitting my little dog, because uh, with the height of COVID, because um, there were no more elective procedures, um, we were needed uh, around the clock more, so then we switched to 12-hour shifts, so you were basically doing 7A to 7P or 7P to 7A, so I was working a little bit more in um, different hours than I normally did, so I needed a little bit more care for my princess. Um, so I was dropping her off, and when I would drop her off and pick her up, I wouldn't even go in the house. They would just, like, open the door and let her run out and stuff like that. So Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I know that you said that you did, because I know that uh, when we talked about before, you have your bang job, but then you also are on call with another hospital. How does that look? Are you still going to other hospital, or are you just staying with your main hospital oh, right now? Oh, no, no. I he hasn't worked for another hospital. It's just an hospital. So we are having a little difficulty with the signal. I don't know if maybe you're in a part of your house that's bad, but something's going in out a little bit. Um, no, no, no. What I was saying is I only work for one. I only have one job, and I've only had one job for a while now, for a couple of years. Okay. So. Okay, yeah. yeah. So we do haven't talked about it for like several years. Like, okay, so okay, so that's, that's interesting. Okay, James, go ahead. Yes. So, what are your personal opinions on the pandemic, and do you have any opinions on how um, some people's president Donald Trump is handling things? <laughs> some people's president. <laughs> My personal opinions on the pandemic, I guess, would be that um, we were not well prepared. That. Um, People did not take it as serious uh, as they could have or should have um, initially until it actually really started hitting the United States, which is sad because I don't understand why, if you're already seeing things happening in different countries, why you would think that our country, the United States, would be superior or more or just different. Like, it happened in China, and then weeks later, you know, it was happening over in Italy and in France. I don't know why people were thinking that the same things that was happening over there were not happening over here. And then when it did happen, it started on the West Coast, and then it slowly trickled from the West Coast to the East Coast. But before it did that, 
people were just in denial, like, oh, it's affecting this type of crowd, and oh, it's okay. They were just, you know, they were just in denial. And even to this day, people are still in denial protesting, you know, like, oh, we're ready to go outside and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I can honestly say that um, it's real, um, even though demographically, unfortunately, a lot more African-American people um, probably died of the disease on, on a whole. It did affect everybody. You could be completely healthy, still got affected, and, and possibly even die from the disease. So the disease itself was not prejudiced. Um, but it definitely was real, and people were definitely sick, and people were definitely dying. It's Absolutely, so and it's just frightening because um, even yeah, even me going to work has been scary, you know. But trying to get food out to these kids that need it is kind of tough. But we we got to do it, and somebody's got to be on the front line. And I mean, personally, from me, friend, thank you for what you're doing to help everybody because you are on the front line, and it's frightening. So I appreciate what you're doing too. So thank you. This is a I war. Say, I think that all the front line people should be considered veterans on Veterans Day now. <laughs> <laughs> right. I will definitely say. In terms of the social distancing and staying at home and stuff like that, um, it might affected um, people who were essential workers a little bit different than it affected people who didn't have to be out and about. But I will say that we all share in some form of um, probably post-traumatic stress because for people who are like socialized and like to be out and about, to not be able to have that outlet, for people who like to, you know, need to engage in social interaction and be out at a restaurant every now and then. And even myself traveling and going to the movies, you know, all that has come to a heart. So it's definitely been some um, self-quarantine weight picking up and just dealing with that whole dilemma is just, it's just been different. But I will say probably large scale, everybody has experienced some form of some type of trauma from this. Um, in the hospital, uh, I can say what was traumatizing to a lot of healthcare providers in the hospital would also be the same thing that was traumatizing to a lot of family members. And Maria, you could probably agree with this. So in the hospital, um, they have made these rules that they don't want, you know, no visitors because the hospital right, is trying to right. keep you safe. At you the same time, the hos- at the same time, the hospital is trying to keep you safe. It's got to be so hard on you as a, as a person having a loved one in the hospital, if your mom or your dad or whoever is in the hospital sick, you're not getting to see them. You're not getting to know what's going on with them, whatever, whatever, whatever. You never get to see them. You don't even get to say goodbye. Um, and then, you know, some of these people didn't even get to have funerals. They had to have virtual funerals. That whole scenario is just very traumatizing. On the healthcare side of it, I can even say I did this personally. I'm going to make sure that I don't get choked up when I say it. But so me being an anesthetist, I'm intubating these patients. So I could potentially even be, and I know for a fact that I was, like literally the last person that this person talks to. So before I would intubate patients, I would ask them, is there somebody you would like to call or, you know, say something to or whatever before we put this breathing tube? Because unfortunately, this may be the last time that they hear your voice. That is Um, correct. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't think I didn't think about FaceTiming people until after the fact, but still, just giving them that uh, option of and that's and that's where the we should have been more prepared part comes in. That that should have been something that was fully thought out. If we weren't going to allow them to see their family, would that be part of the bedside manner? They know a lot of healthcare professionals learn. Is that part of the bedside manner? You think now? 
Yeah, for sure. I think all our new nurses that's just coming aboard, unfortunately, was just thrown to the wolves, but it's an experience that they ultimately needed because um, we, they don't get that often. It's more book and computer, but now you actually got to learn the bedside manners of it all. It was a hard one to learn, but you got it. Yeah, so now I, it's a I hard skill, really. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one, one last question for you, Naeem. Um, what what's moving forward look like for you for the world? What does moving forward look like? Well, definitely, I would say probably the rest of this year moving forward it looks like masks. <laughs> people will be wearing masks. Um, people will be a lot more um, self cognizant of hygiene, washing your hands before you eat, washing your hands after you do anything. Um, there will probably not be a whole lot of hugging and kissing. Um, but I think people will be wearing masks for a long time, especially traveling. Um, you know, they've already mentioned that you're not going to be able to get on a plane without a mask. Um, so I think that's going to be our, the way that things are going to look until they come out with the vaccine, for sure. There will be mask wearing. Lot of mask wearing. <laughs> exactly. Um, it would be the time to have some stock and talk to paper. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, I thank you for taking time to talk to us at Cornbread and Caviar. It's going to air soon, probably next Thursday or the Thursday after. I appreciate you, and hopefully you'll come back and talk to us again very, very soon. My pleasure. Thank you Everybody, for coming on. Every, oh, everybody's all set with all their questions, not just Ramon. Don't do me. I ha. <laughs> <laughs> this, is why, this is why we have fight. This is why we fight so fast. Look, we do have that. more, but unfortunately, our timing won't allow it. So, oh, it's all good. Yeah. That's never very much that. <laughs> you you too. Because there's some more fun stuff to talk about besides this. Yes, so we'll, it is. We'll a lot more. Back on. <laughs> all right. I well, love I'm you. Love you, friend. So, love you too. Yes, Take sure. care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right. So that was again, Naeem. Thanks again, Naeem. Um, for letting us interview you and giving us some of your time. And thank you for what you're doing on the front line. We do appreciate you. And now, uh, my best friend and friend to Cornbread and Caviar, um, check him out. His show just aired actually recently, but we'll let him tell you more about that on the actual interview. Jason Flowers, um, he is a COVID-19 survivor. So we're gonna, now you're going to hear us interview Jason um, as we, he tells us about his experience with COVID-19. Okay, so we at Cornbread and Caviar, we wanted to have a conversation with friend to the show, my bestie, Jason. Jason mm-hmm. is a COVID-19 survivor. Thank God. Yay. <laughs> Thank you God. Survive, okay? Yes. You better survive. You made it through. We are glad to have you. And so, yes, we're going to just interview you quickly to get some information from you because this could have inspired somebody to let them know that they can make it through it if they get to it, but we hope they don't get to it, right? Because God will do it. Huh? I did that. I did that, didn't I? I did that. Well, all <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let's just get right into the interview. Okay, so Jason, listen here. I got a few questions for you, okay? Okay. When did you notice that there was a problem? And what were your immediate symptoms? Because we all know the symptoms are different per person. Um, well, I experienced three weeks worth of, like, 
sickness and pain, but I didn't associate it with COVID, uh, COVID-19. Um, but my initial um, symptom was fatigue. I was, just, I was just tired, you know, I just wanted to lay down. So I knew I was sick at that particular point, so I immediately called my doctor and uh, told him about it, and he was like, well, I'm going to prescribe you uh, a Z-pack, um, a six-day Z-pack. So I started taking it the third day, and I was fine. I was back to my normal self. Even during that process of taking a Z-pack, I did have diarrhea, I just figured it was a side effect of the Z-Bag. So I didn't think none of it, and I did not think, you know, it was COVID or COVID-19 at all. So I'm just going on about my business. Um, the following week, um, I started to have back pain, like real, real slight, real subtle. Um, I was like, hmm, what's that? <laughs> I've been like, you know, I was off work, so I wasn't, you know, being active like that. Um, and then I was like falling asleep on the couch, you know, just home at home, binge watching Netflix and different things like that. So I fall asleep on the couch and my couch, I need a new one. <laughs> so I just figured I was, it was paying for the couch. So, uh, I, I, I would get up and I would stretch and try to stretch it out. The pain that I was feeling, it wasn't like excruciating at that point. It was just, you know, a sensation in my back. So I'm like, okay, I'm trying to stretch it out, and it's not really going anywhere. So I called my doctor, and I'm, I told him about that. And he was like, well, did you fall or anything like that? I'm like, no, I did not fall. I just, um, you know, I, maybe it's just I'm not active and just been laying around a lot. So he's like, well, I'm prescribing you uh, a, a muscle relaxer and a small pain pill. Started taking that. I felt a little better. Um, And then... In the process of even taking that, I did have, looking back at it now, I didn't know I had a high fever, but I did have a high fever. There would be some nights where I would wake up, wake up in the middle of the night, go to the bathroom, and I would just be extremely high. Like, my entire body was, like, on fire. And almost to the point where I almost passed out twice. Um, and I just didn't think, I didn't know that was a fever, but that's a fever. But I didn't know that at the time. So that happened maybe once that week. The following week, um, the pain, I think I, that happened again. I had a high fever and almost passed out, but I snapped out of it. That following Wednesday on the third week, it, it, the pain just got so unbearable. It was like somebody was taking a knife, stabbing me in my back and twisted the knife. So, and it was... So unbearable that I'm screaming to the top of my lungs. I, and I couldn't find any, like, I went and bought a heating pad, um, tried to find something to, you know, ease the pain. But that pain pill he prescribed me wasn't doing it either, or the muscle relaxer. So I called my doctor. I said, well, doctor, what you prescribed me isn't working at all. So, and I don't know what to do. He was like, well, what I can do is I can, he said, I really want you to go to emergency um, and try to figure out what it is. But I know, no, I didn't, no, he, he didn't suggest that at the time. I went to emergency myself that Wednesday. I went to emergency, get to emergency. The lady says, are you here for testing? I said, no, I'm not here for testing, but I'm having an extreme back pain. And um, she was like, okay, well, I'm just here to let you know, like, um, 
being admitted, there's COVID-19 all in the ER. So you're more than likely going to catch COVID-19 by being admitted to ER. So now I'm sitting in the car like, okay, you are going to ER, <laughs> possibly catch COVID-19 COVID and die, or do I go home with this excruciating pain? So I just decided to go home. I went home, called my doctor again and told him about it. And he's like, well, you need to go to ER. I said, well, I just left there. And the lady said I was going to catch COVID <laughs> by going in there. So I'm like, I'm not trying to do that. Um, so is there anything you can do? He said, well, I could prescribe you a, um, a stronger pain pill. He prescribed me Tylenol 3 with coding. Um, and he said, continue taking a muscle relaxer. So I did that. That was Wednesday. I was taking it. I was good Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I started to notice that the, that the pain pill wasn't lasting the six hours it was supposed to. It was wearing off in four hours. So I'm like, mm-hmm. Uh, that's crazy. I don't know what to do, but I'm I'm still bearing the pain, and with the heating pad, with the heating pad, it, it made it better. But then it just got to a point where the pain just got excruciating again, even with the Tylenol three. I mean, now something is wrong. Something has to be wrong at this point. I've had two weeks of pain, back pain like this, and something is wrong. I know something is wrong. So I waited. I I pers- persevered through that entire weekend with. Pain. I tried to I tried to sleep most of the days. There are times people would call me or text me like any sound will wake me up uh, and send me into immediate pain. Like if I was asleep, I was kind of fine. Um, but I couldn't lay down. It was hard for me to lay down. I had to lay on my side. It was just a lot of pain. But then that Monday, I called my doctor again, and he was like, "Well, you really need to go to ER." And I said, he's like, I know you're scared, so this is what we do. Well, I'm going to send you to, like, an outpatient uh, um, x-ray. You need to get an outpatient x-ray done. So I went, got the x-ray done, um, and the, the technician handed me a piece of paper and said, your doctor's going to be calling. So I left out of there. As soon as I walked out the door, my doctor called me, and he said, you need to go to ER, like, right now. Like, you got to go. Um, he's like, there's cloudiness all in your entire right lung. So they, the x-ray doesn't really show you what it is, but it's just like a, a cloudy film in your lungs. So he was like, there's this cloud in your sure. lungs. That's right. And then I went straight to ER. So at that point, I was like, oh, well, if I, have a, if I catch the COVID, I'll catch it because this pain is just unbearable. So I went and then they admitted me, and I was there for from Monday to that Sunday. Well, that's a terrible time. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> well, I guess he he had to knock you on your ass about no. five times in order to understand. <laughs> and all the time, I'm still not even thinking it's COVID nineteen. I'm not even associated with any of that. I'm just thinking like, what is going? Like, what is this? Maybe it's pneumonia. Maybe. I do yeah, want to say this: you you have a good doctor because another doctor would have said that was just pneumonia and required you to just self quarantine. I will say that. So, luckily, he did look at the x-ray to see that you had fluid. Right. And it was cloudy. Because I know a few that then got it confused between COVID-19 and pneumonia. And now we hurrying up and putting them on the ventilator because you didn't use your better judgment for the la- right. their lack of... And right. waited too late. Well, I, I, I even was 
And like in hindsight, I was like, well, my doctor should have like really thought it was COVID from the very beginning. Even though I wasn't really giving them all the symptoms that I was having, like I didn't know I had a fever or a high fever, nor could I find a thermometer to find out what my temperature was at all. Well, they're, they're still learning in itself. And I'll, yeah. they really have no clue until they're right up on it because they're misinformed. And that's yeah, just the truth right. of the matter. Yeah. Now, with respect to you had the right lung cloudiness, according to the x-ray, so the fluid or whatever was built up in your lung, which is causing the pain, um, I'm assuming that's similar to what people with pneumonia get, that kind mm-hmm. of pain. But the actual COVID-19 did, so I, hmm, I guess I want to ask, then, was your body not uh, excreting it? Because, like, sometimes your body, once when you have something in your system, a lot of times your body will fight it and get rid of it. So, when, so this was not happening for you. You went for two weeks with this, and usually people get through COVID-19 in about 10 days, and you went for two weeks with the same issue. But because your lung kind of got infected, is that what kept it going for you? Because Yeah. You, okay, okay. So I, I, think I, I think I had, you know, the initial onset um, the first week when I had the fatigue. I believe that was just my yeah. initial infection of the virus. But because I took the the Z pack and got a little better, maybe the, the side effect of having the virus caused you know the pneumonia to build up in my lungs. I see. I see. Okay. All right. All so right. that's how I think it probably happened. So since you finally made it into the hospital, um, you said you were there from what? Monday to Monday night. evening to Sunday afternoon. Okay, so how was your experience in the hospital, and what things were done to help bring you back to good health? Right. So when I they admitted me, I, they did the EKG test, um, and then they were waiting to find a room for me. Um, and they, they did the EKG test, and they sent me to a room uh, to a glass box <laughs> in the ER, um, and. Uh, I changed, they told me to sit down and just put on the robe. I did that. It was freezing cold in there. And then they put me on a two-hour antibiotic drip. Freezing cold, this antibiotic is in my arm, dripping in my arm for two hours, and that's making me even colder. Matching and bring me blankets after blanket after blanket. Then it got to a point where the pain got excruciating again. Then they they gave me um, morphine for the pain. And that was heaven. <laughs> I've never, uh, I've never been, I've, I've never been hospitalized before, so I've never had morphine. So that was a. Mm, Tell me what your feeling. morphine experience was like. What was heaven about it? It was just it put me into a relax. Like it, it, it didn't take effect immediately, like a sedation, but it took effect like after like sixty seconds. I was like, oh, like. Yeah, I'm screaming on top of my lungs, and I'm like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> and I was able to like lay down and kind of like go to sleep or to almost to like a, a nap uh, process, but it wore off in two hours. But when that two hours came back, the pain immediately came back, and I went back to screaming. But they only gave me the morphine twice. They I guess they didn't want to give me, you know, that much morphine. It's addictive, yeah. It's addictive, yeah. So, so they yeah. just gave me the, the second shot, uh, the second injection, I'd be injecting the morphine, and that was it. 
then they tried to, they gave me another uh, pain injection after that, after that wore off. But by that time, my room was ready in the hospital. So they transferred me from ER to the room. And when I got to the room, the nurse came in. And she said, do you know why you're here? I said, uh, yeah, back pain. She's like, oh, no, we'll, we, th- we think you're COVID positive. I said, think? <laughs> I said, did my test come back? Uh, positive. I'm like, what? Did it come back? She's like, yeah, it came back. I said, well, the nurse in ER, she kept telling me my test didn't come back at all. She's like, oh, no, we have your test. We have your test results. I'm like, okay, so is it positive or is it not? She's like, well, <laughs> she didn't really know. Cause I, and she never really gave me a definitive answer if it was positive or not. So I was confused. So I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. So this Monday, they give me uh, that Plaquenil, um, that hydrox- hydroxy uh, chloroquine that Donald Trump is pushing. In. They gave me that every day. They gave me zinc. They gave me, you know, I, I always take vitamin B's and multivitamins. So they gave me that as well. Um, and then they put me on a blood thinner, which felt like fire. They had to inject it in your stomach. Um, every time they injected it, that was like maybe twice Ouch. a day. They also gave me a steroid. Um, they will inject my uh, IV, a steroid. Um, I forgot what it's called. And what else did they prescribe? Yeah, that was pretty much it. But they would do like every nine hours. No. I mean, give me the prescription and whatnot. But mm-hmm. other than that, I never, they didn't bother me a lot. They just came in, checked my vitals. Every time they would, like, they would check my vitals, like, maybe every, like, three times a day, maybe maybe four times a day. Um, mm-hmm. But they didn't bother me a lot because they, they didn't want to come in a room and out. You're isolated. You're in a room by yourself. They keep the door closed. And every time somebody come in, they're in full garb. And they want you to put your mask on, um, which isn't, a, you know, a big deal. But I'm like, I'm in my room. <laughs> you just wear a mask. <laughs> oh. <laughs> But I was better. I got better the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday, and for sure by Thursday I didn't have any pain. I didn't take the pain pill no more because they gave they would give me a pain pill uh, for the pain. So mm-hmm. Thursday I didn't. I just stopped taking a pain pill because I didn't have any pain at all. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to go home. They said, well, we want to keep you a little longer. Um, they said your they, they my doctor said that. My diet with D dimer number was at ten thousand when I came in, and that Thursday it was at four thousand. He said we want to release you when it's under twenty five hundred. I don't know what a D dimer number is. Um, I tried to look it up, and it has something to do with you know your blood. The way I guess it's I guess it's about the way your blood the antibodies for blood clots. So what it is, I don't know exactly. But that's what I kind of understood from when I read it. But mm-hmm. they kept me until Sunday afternoon, and then they released me, which was the six days that my insurance paid for. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so I think they, they could have let me go sooner, but they were like, we'll just keep your, with your insurance to pay for it. And once your, your insurance say, we're not going to pay no more, or 
the the time with my that my experience approved is the topic that kept me. I got you. They're gonna make as much money as they can. Cause they lose right. money to everybody else. All right. So let me ask you this: So African Americans with medicine inherently, we are not taking it seriously. When we say we have a pain, we have a condition, we have an issue, a lot of times we're not taken seriously. Do you find that you had like a difficult time uh, to get in care? Was it difficult for you to get into the ER? And did, you know what I mean? Like, it was it difficult for you? Do you think they took you seriously, or you're back and you went did a lot of back and forth with your doctor and the hospital? But do you think that as an African American person, you were taken seriously? And you said, "Hey, I've got an issue." No, I didn't have that. I didn't have that issue. I know there were people, a lot of people. I heard about a lot of people having that issue, but I didn't have that issue at all. Maybe because of my zip code. That's probably more the more than the reason why. Um, that I didn't have that issue um, because I live in a suburb, and right. I went to a suburban hospital. So maybe that's why. But other than that, no, I didn't have any issues with it at all, and they definitely took me seriously when I came when I went to the EI. Okay. Okay. So then, I guess let me ask you this: Do you feel like the healthcare field was ready? Do you think it handled it well? Now we talked to Naeem Mom uh, on another interview, and you know Naeem. Mm-hmm. Um, and we asked his perspective. Of course, we got Maria Renee's perspective as a, a medical professional, and we got their answer. But as a layperson like myself and like James, do you think that it was handled well? Do you think they were ready for it? Well, my experience at uh, Beaumont Dearborn, um, I couldn't tell if they were understaffed or or not. I don't know, but I never felt like. I was trying to get someone's attention. I couldn't get their attention. Every time I, I made a call, they may not came. They may not have come to my room as soon as possible because a lot of times they'll try to wait to like, there's a time for me to take my medicine. So they won't come into the room that often that they won't have that much exposure. So if I can, if they can tackle everything I needed at the time I took my medicine, you know, bring me whatever I needed, some bl- more blankets or you know, some juice or, or a snack or something like that. They would try to do that every time that they would have to come in and take vitals and give me a medicine. But that, other than that, I, that's, I never felt like I was unattended or I couldn't uh, get the assistance of, uh, of staff. So that wasn't my experience. And Beaumont, Dearborn at least, they handled it very well. It didn't seem like I, I, I heard other patients in other rooms, like across the way. Like whenever they come in the door, there would be there was a lady across the hall from me, and she was gagging all the time. And oh no, yeah, and I I know that she was vomiting too because they would call for like you know the janitors have to come clean up something, and I'm like, and she's over there gagging, so I'm sure she was just vomiting all over the place. So, but that was just my experience. I didn't have any, and that being my first time being hospitalized, I didn't have a terrible experience with it. Mm-hmm. Well, shout out to Tom, taking very good care of you. Hey. How do you feel now? Do you feel like you have any side effects? Is anything still lingering? So when they did release me, um, I didn't have any pain, but there was a couple of days afterwards I would get the sensation in my back a little bit, like how I first started. Um, but my doctor did... He, he told me to, he prescribed me 
uh, an antibiotic before I had went to the ER. And I went to go pick it up, and he said, just take it and finish it off. And once I finished it off, I never, I didn't have a sensation anymore in my back. Nice. That's nice. And one last question for you, Jason, before we wrap up. Um, do you feel like you had enough support from your village, your community, your people? Do you feel like you had enough support? Yeah, I think for me, I didn't, I didn't want to tell a lot of people. Um, one, because I felt like, Yes, I didn't want the stigma with it, I, and I didn't know how people would handle it. And also, that wasn't the biggest thing for me. It was like I, I knew that this wasn't my end. I knew I was going in to die, or and I knew I was coming out of it. I just had that faith. Um, but I didn't want to tell a lot of people because I didn't want a lot of people bothering me at that time. I just wanted to like be to myself. Um, you want to fight? Want you want to fight in peace? Yeah, I get it. And then I don't want people to feel sorry to me, like, oh, are you okay? How are you feeling? I, you know, I don't bother me. I don't call me every day. I'm just checking on you. I mean, that's nice and all, but I, just, I think I didn't want it at that time. When you were in the fight of your life right then, you needed to focus on fighting, not trying to answer or not answer a phone call. <laughs> yeah, it was But for me, it wasn't really a fight either. It was just... It wasn't like a fight. It was just me being in the hospital and me just trying mm-hmm. to get better. Um, yeah. So it wasn't a fight per se, but it was just like, okay, well, these drugs don't work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, so I can get some relief. Um, but actually being in the hospital for that long, I kind of like was able to like really think about some things and re- reassess some things that I'm doing personally for my, in my personal lives and reevaluate. And it just gave me... Um, a drive to like really step up and to really ramp up into the things that I've like set out to do and accomplish, you know, you know, some plans that I have for myself. Speaking of which, tell everybody about the new show and who you had on there for your first show. Not only are on with Vonda, but you also have. So, um, of course I'm, I'm doing a show with uh, me and Vonda. Well, I, I, I guess, appear on her radio show 19 every Saturday for three to four. Um, and then we also decided to do a show together, which is a, a live show. We go live, you know, we, there's no particular schedule or rhyme or reason to our time. We just, when we decide to do it, we're going to do it and we're going to go live on our Facebook pages and our YouTube channels. Um, and that show is just basically talking, uh, politics and pop culture and just giving our spin and take on it. But my uh, latest venture is spiritandgospel.com, which when I was on season one, I kind of mentioned it, um, but it was still in development. But past uh, Saturday, I launched it, and my first guest was one half of the legendary Clark sisters, Karen and Karen Clark-Sheard and Glenn Perko. So you can go to spirit.com and just watch that interview. It's a 30-minute interview. It's not really long at all, but... You know, they talk about their, their new records, the movie, their Lifetime movie. Um, they talk about the legacy of their mother and just what their life is like in quarantine right now. So yeah. it was interesting. I am so check super proud of you. I'm so, so proud of you for that. That's fantastic. I love how we're out here just getting it. Like, we're doing what we need to do. And, you know, you have access, you have the personality, so you can get these people on there, and I know you're going to be even more successful. And I do have to admit, um, briefly, that with their whole COVID-19 situation, Jason, I, I, I have to admit, I, I, I took it hard for myself 
because I was hurt because I was like, oh my God, I wasn't there for him. I didn't know. I didn't know. I did not know. We don't talk often, but we have a bond in the relationship from my perspective, and you might agree, but I, I love you like nobody else, right? So, and when I did not know that you were battling COVID-19, and when I found out, I found out like most people did on social media, I was like, oh my mm-hmm. God, what, where was I? Because I don't pay attention to social media as much, quite frankly. I mean, I might post here and there. Um, and James manages the corporate caviar social media. I don't pay much attention to social media, and I felt so, so bad. I felt horrible. I was like, I am a, such a horrible friend. No. I just didn't know, and I wish I could have been there for you or somebody. I know that I, you wanted to kind of be to yourself in private. I know you wanted to handle it, but you know, as you you know, that anytime you need me, please don't hesitate to call. Oh, you already know. Be here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm always know. here. Oh, I felt horrible. I felt oh, what a yeah. And that was the thing. I didn't. I, I think because you're you're not the only person that felt that way. Because the only persons I told was my mom and my dad and my sisters and my brother. Um, yeah. Nobody else knew. Not not even my pastor or anything like that. Like I didn't have no one praying for me. I because I knew my. It wasn't a, a test of my faith. It was just more so me getting to a place to be more determined to do what I uh, I'm purpose to do. So that's where that place was for me. But yeah, I didn't, wake up but, yeah. yeah, and I, I didn't know that it would affect people like that because you were not the only person that, you know, kind of got down and was like, why you ain't tell me? Why you ain't tell me? Because I didn't want, like I said, I just didn't want that attention. And I just yeah. wanted to, like, really just do it. Yeah, and, do it. I said when, and I said, when I come out, I'll just tell everybody this is what I was dealing with. And a lot of times people would call me. Um, I try not to talk on the phone with a lot of people because my voice was weak. Like, I could barely talk at the time. It was, like, hard for me to talk. Like, oh, my voice is weak. Um, yeah. So I tried not to talk, but I was texting people all day, like, oh, hey, like, laughing and giggling. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah. Like, nothing was, like, nothing was happening. Yeah. You didn't want to accept it, so it became, it wasn't, it didn't materialize. I mean, it materialized, but it went away because you were strong enough and you had the will to get through it. So I'm proud of you for that. And I absolutely love you. Tell us one more time where we can find your show. At Spirit and gospel.com. Jason, I thank you for being with us today, and I love you. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Uh, We'll talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That was um, Jason giving us his perspective. Uh, That's what you just heard, the interview with him. Thank you, Jason. We love you, and congratulations on the launching of your show. Big hitters. Clark sisters are on there with you, so that is amazing. And now we want to get one more perspective. We want to talk to a stay-at-home mother. It's actually James's mom. I call her Teen Team, but her name is Christine. Right now, her name is Quarantine Team. And um, she is a stay-at-home mom, and she's homeschooling the kids. So, Because Brandon does have younger siblings, and they're being homeschooled by her right now. So we want to get her perspective. So what you'll hear now is the interview we did with her to understand what her life has been like day-to-day with the COVID-19. Okay, so Cornbread and Caviar listeners, we have our very own Teen Teen on. This is James Brandon's mom. We talk about Hi, her quite a bit on the show. We love hello, her. Hello, hello. Now, her name is Quarantine Teen right now because of the quarantine. You like what I did there? Yes, yes. So, Teen Teen, thanks for being on Cornbread and Caviar. This is their first time. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> I love so you so much. excited to have you. We Thank are. You. <laughs> we definitely are. We just want to ask you a little bit about what life has been like for you during quarantine. So we're going to give you a quick interview. 
So, want to get started, James? Yes. So, like Ramon said, this is my mother. He calls her quarantine teen. I call her weather teen teen. Christine, when she pisses me off. But most importantly, I call her mom. Um, so, first and foremost, mom, how has your everyday life changed since um, quarantine began and social distancing? Uh, the main thing that has changed is I never have a minute to myself. But other than that, everything is basically still the same. <laughs> <laughs> no time for yourself. I guess that means we're going to have to take the kids and babysit and give her a weekend to ourselves, babe. Yes. Yeah. Please. We can. Oh, take before. the husband, too. She <laughs> <laughs> said everybody can go. Period. Everybody. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Okay, Dean, Dean, I have a question for you. Um, okay. Like most parents during this COVID 19 pandemic, you've had the hardest part of teaching our children remotely from home. So, yeah. what is the most challenging part for teaching your children while they're at home for you? Um, well, you know, our day starts a little later, um, than it did when school was in session. And, okay. uh, the hardest part about that is just getting them to sit still and, and pay attention and listen. Cause they both have daily zoom calls that they have to do. Um, and then work that is assigned for them to follow after that. And it's just to get them to stop and just pay attention, listen, and then if they need help, to ask me for the help or go to the teacher's office hours that they provide. And it's um, just, it's difficult. <laughs> it's very difficult. I I appreciate teachers so much more now. Yeah, because they've got like a million, they got like 20-something tanners in their classroom, and some yeah. of them are worse, right? <laughs> And and then twenty TJs in there. So you know, it's, I can get. I have respect what they do, and I do think they deserve to be paid a lot more than oh, they absolutely. are. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Know, that's a whole different messed up situation there. Um, so when school does start back, team team, um, do you think you'll feel comfortable with them going back to school with the pandemic looming? Then it's supposedly getting worse in the fall again. Do you think you'll feel comfortable with them going back, or will you force them to stay home for a while? Um, well, my husband keeps asking me that same question, and I told him, I guess it all depends on how everything looks at that time. Um, but uh, Tanner's teacher has told me that they've already started discussing how that might look in the fall with making the kids all wear masks and um, making classroom sizes smaller. But for me, I think it's just, it's all going to depend on how the world looks at that time to see how this pandemic is and how many cases are out there. And then there's this new childhood uh, thing going on right now where kids are getting this new disease. So it's just, to me, it's all just going to depend on how it looks. Wait, what new disease? I've missed something. Where, what is that? Um, it has a name now. I forget what it's called, but it's a resemblance to the Kawasaki disease, and it's showing up in a lot of kids. 
Like there wow. was, I, I think it was like 80 something cases in New York. And there's wow. been a few here in Michigan. Not related to COVID-19 at all. No, they're saying it is related. Okay. But it. Wow. Is it deadly? I'm not sure. Oh my God. Wow. So now we got this, that, and the flu and everything else that's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More money. <laughs> yeah, uh, more money for pharmaceutical companies and doctors. Let's not forget mm. we got we got stupidity going on too in the White House, but we're not going to get into that. Um, <laughs> um, well, my also, um, kids have been at home. My very, very, very lovely younger siblings. Um, do you <laughs> think that this has impacted them or their mental health and well being any? Um, I think it's infected, infected, affected, uh, my nine year old a little bit just because he already has, um, he's on the spectrum, high on the spectrum. And then he has other issues. And so I think it affects him because he wants to be by his friends. He doesn't have many friends. He does have one really good friend who we've reached out to and the parent isn't being cooperative, but I think it affects him the worst because he just really wants to be with friends, not siblings, friends. <laughs> well, I can't be with my siblings either. So we have that in common. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know that my call helped. Did my call help that time? Cause I can't call more. I don't know, because I did FaceTime that one. Did it help at all, or was it not the same with his friends? Probably not um, the same. Yeah, it's not the same. There, He's got a really close friend that was, like, there for him and would stick up for him when the kids were teasing him or other things, and the parent is just not being cooperative to letting them talk together. Even a phone call, a FaceTime, an email. Oh, not even a phone call or a FaceTime? I mean, I... I because I could understand a little bit the the in person thing, but even in person could be socially distant. But I yeah. thought that a, well, why not a FaceTime or a phone call? I don't know. She won't even res- respond to my messages, and his teacher even tried reaching out to her, the parent, and with no response back. Wow, this is what so COVID nineteen has done. <laughs> he actually got in trouble on the Zoom call for chatting with the friend in the chat feature of the zoom call. Yeah. And that's not what it's supposed to be used for. So, oh, and I wow. tried, I, that's when I explained to his teacher, well, he misses her. And, Aww. and that's when she that's reached so out funny. to the parents. So, <laughs> yeah. And the parents is being a something I'm not going to say right now, but okay. Well, that's not cool. Well, I'm sorry if you, but, one last thing to ask you then, Team Team, if you had to say, like, maybe just one tip you can give to parents out there, because you are our expert for Cornbread and Caviar for this homeschooling thing, what could you say to these parents out here to, to help them feel better or something uplifting or something to help them take care of themselves? Because you don't get a minute to yourself. What would you suggest to them? Oh, gosh. I don't even know. <laughs> just be patient, I guess, because have more patience than I do. <laughs> and, and as the teachers keep saying is you know what if they need a day off let them have a day off don't make them do the work 
all at once. Yeah. Just yeah. You know what works best for your family. So if your child needs a break, let them take a break. That's fair. Peyton, I love you. Love you, Ramon. Thank you so much for joining us on Cornbread and Caviar. Thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. Yay. (laughs) I'll see you soon. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. Again, that was uh, Christine. James's mom, thank you so much, Teen Teen, for helping us out and coming onto the show with us today. So, folks, I'm not sure how we move forward from this as a globe, but it's not just individual <laughs> countries, not just as an individual person it's a, or families. It's every fucking body. If you have something you want to add to the conversation, reach us at eatcornbreadandcaviar at gmail.com and follow up our Instagram at eatcornbreadandcaviar. And now it's for our positive vibe. Today's positive vibe is sponsored by the letter U, as in Y-O-U. <laughs> right now, with things being as crazy as they are, it is so important to focus on you. Yes. It is so easy during this time to succumb to depression for what we are lacking, the toxic people, uh, because we long to be near or close to somebody else. But it's not time to fall into old behaviors and bad habits just because you're lonely. Focus on your mental health. Understand that there is a better side to this whole pandemic. And you want to ensure that your life is as good or better than this whole thing. Than when this whole thing actually began. Focus on Y-O-U. That is today's positive vibe. Closing comments. Maria. Uh, I'm just glad to be back. Oh my God. Me too. (laughs) I am too. Like you're so fucking amazing. COVID-19 is going to be... Another one for the history books, and I'm just glad that I'm able to see it, to experience it, to be involved with it, so I can tell the next generation that I was there. And made it. Yes. Yes. And yes. made it. And you made it. Great auntie was right there in that work. Y'all don't even understand. Great auntie. <laughs> Yeah. She just took it a couple of generations. Yeah, like, she showed you. Y'all great grandmama was having a fit, okay? <laughs> she was too too concerned for me. I was just like, chill, chill, chill. Yeah. Aww. It's exciting to tell Daniel and Kamari's kids. Yeah. That's yeah. gonna be dope. And we all live through this together. Mm-hmm. Alone together. <laughs> I will say I didn't know that twenty twenty was gonna be like this. I know twenty twenty was supposed to be lit. I was looking forward to it. I was like bamboozled in a sense. Like what? Child. And it's not going to get. I don't think normal will start coming back till 2022. It's my 35th this year. I know. Oh, I'm still going out the country, so I'm not even. Sure you, okay. You I'm not going to be here for my 35th. That's for you sure. Go ahead and get a plane. Get yes, plane. I'm getting on a plane. Mask and all. I mean, but what's I'm the difference out. getting on a damn plane with a mask on and going to the grocery store That's with a mask true, the same on and things. going? Okay. So it's the, all the same. Period. The same space. It's, Period. It's, it's the, the thing is, I can't get. I can walk away from somebody in the grocery store. How far are you going to walk from somebody on a plane? I think they're taking social distancing measures on yeah. planes in the grocery store. It's like you every go other there. seat or something like that. I've been to the grocery store at 7.15 a.m. on and a it Sunday wasn't no social Kroger, distancing. and that bitch is booming. Thank, thank you. You would think it is after church on a Sunday it's when the people club. get in. It's our new club. It's people are in. Child, when I tell you I got you dressed. You walk in like, what's up? I got dressed up to go to the grocery store. Yeah. I had my hat on. I had my glasses on. People okay, were looking at look. me like, where the fuck are you going? And I was like, somebody going to see this. like... We know so, the ten, our um people that admire around the corner from the house. I'd be like, "Hey y'all, y'all eat today?" Right, exactly. Y'all good? Okay. Yeah. What time you get off? 
Oh, three. You been here all morning? <laughs> oh, okay. Basically. Like, it's, so it's actually... Did y'all... Nah, let me just say, before you go back to... The, did y'all get them oranges? Did, did they come today? <laughs> they came, okay. Low, low on the oranges. I wish you... Look, I wanted you to put me up some, but that had been too far. <laughs> you crazy. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go over here and check. I knew y'all was getting to me. That's why I asked you. Oh, okay, Lord. have a good one. <laughs> this happened. I had a whole conversation. Okay, because everybody been at the grocery store. Like, yeah, right, yeah. you get to know everybody. Down. Everybody, everybody been. Before at the we walk store. in, we don't talk to no motherfucker. Like, get in and out. I'm still getting. Now in, we all you know, know everybody. I hate going grocery shopping. We nah, all know that. Nah, everybody been in there like it's a it's for us people because it's two two seven. Yeah. Okay. So go getting all the girls. gossip. Everybody get to know everybody. Yeah. So. Yeah. James, closing comments. Um, I just want to say to everyone, keep your head up. Um, this isn't going to last forever. And make, like I said, even if you're feeling down, make sure you're reaching out to the people that you care about. And then who knows, that whole conversation could turn your perspective around. So, um, smile, keep breathing, and don't buy up all my kombucha and my Beyond Burger, please. Um, <laughs> keep eating meat, you heifers. But, um... Yeah, that's it. And if you're getting, I do want to say this though. If you're having like verbal and physical abuse at home, just like hit us in our DM and be like, um, I need support. I was hit yesterday. Or uh, what's the cold word that you, that you can use? I want to come on the show. Just put that in the DM and but we'll they know. They might actually want to come on the show. We're going to ask them though. Tell them you want. Tell them you tired. Well, we gotta have a code. They gotta the code come. Could on. Be, I'm tired of eating cornbread. I want some caviar. That's okay, good. that's the code. Oh, that's that you put that in the in our um, DM or email us. Yeah, and we'll go ahead and handle. I get it the notifications, so I yes. see it immediately. Because it's a lot of women getting where we can getting towed up yeah. during this COVID yeah. nineteen and children and so children too. too. Yes, yeah. So hopefully you're not dealing with that. Um, you called everybody heifers. You said, stop, don't, you know, eat, eat meat, you heifers. Wouldn't that make them cannibals? Because a heifer is a cow anyway? Yes. Okay. okay. I'm happy that you all are eating. <laughs> what were you expecting me to say? <laughs> Listen, I'm happy y'all eating Beyond Burger because that's one of the few stocks that I have purchased that is yes, doing very stock. well right now. It's doing great. True, true. Because it, it has been up and it went really, really low, really low. And now it's making me some money. Yes, so I'm happy. Yes. Keep eating the Beyond Burgers. I'm sorry. I want to get into stock. I just don't be knowing what I'm doing. That's oh, a whole got nother a whole podcast app that you can use, child. Okay. Okay, I'm closing out. All right. So it's me, King Ramon, Maria Renee, and James Brandon. We want to thank you for listening today. Thanks, guys. We had a fun, fun time today, and I hope that you did too. And don't be DM me talking about something. You was wrong. That ain't true. Yeah. And that ain't be nice people. You, we just You ain't to gotta be. Up. Just know I'm gonna read you the filth. I'm gonna tell you that right now. <laughs> just let's just be clear. And listen, Come correct. You know what you can always do for us. Please, please, please subscribe, rate, comment, and share. It literally costs you nothing but a few seconds of time. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. We're out here, so help us out and share us out. Want to connect with us? Follow us on Instagram. Our handle is Eat Cornbread and Caviar, or hit us up at Eat Cornbread and Caviar at gmail.com. It's me, your host, King Ramon, and we are out. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify. You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network.